Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on June the 21st, 2017. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, my own little conundrum. <laughs> Caffeine rage. I uh, think that's a, a compliment. Sure. On today's show, we will, of course, <laughs> be discussing the games that we played. We are going to be talking about our Steam sale picks for the upcoming summer sale. Take-Two Interactive issues a cease and desist order against GTA 5 modding tools. Topware responds to Two World 2's sudden microtransaction update. That's actually kind of hard to say. Your target audience doesn't exist. An article discussing audiences on YouTube. Nintendo rejects politics and thinks fans should just have fun. We'll have our weekly community corner, our Steam weekly discovery queue, and timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hi, Rage. How are you? I'm fine and or dandy. One of the two, but not both. What you said and or, which implies that you could be both. Yeah, but I changed my mind halfway through. Okay. Fair enough. That's allowed. (laughs) Well, I am both fine and dandy. Particularly the dandy part, because I am a dandy. Wink. I'm not touching that one with a 10-foot pole. (laughs) <laughs> Anyone in our audience who is like 70 or older, you know what what I'm saying. And really anyone who has a, a decent grasp of the English language and double meanings of words, but we will go there. I just did like that little hand wavy thing. I'm doing it right now. You this are visual... aware this isn't a vi- uh, yeah, this isn't a visual medium, right? <laughs> I'm doing a visual gag on an audio podcast. That joke never gets old. Oh, I'm in an excellent mood today. Uh, Anyone who follows us on Twitter knows that uh, we are recording a day late because yesterday was a terrible day and I was tired and grumpy. And if I'm tired and grumpy when the show starts, it's not going to be a fun show. So we took... Yeah, besides, I'm supposed to be the tired and grumpy one. Yeah, so we swapped nights. And uh, I had a great day today. I had a nap. I have had many delicious beverages and foodstuffs this evening, so I'm great. I'm doing thumbs up, yet again, another visual cue on an audio show. Off to a good start this week. Yeah, this is going to be quality content. (laughs) This is definitely going to be a games-filled episode. You have many games on your games played list. Well, this is what happens when we don't have, uh, uh, you know, the games we played from uh, on the E through special because, you know, that's already a game heavy uh, episode. We don't yeah. need to weigh it down anymore. Yeah, that is very true. It is, uh, and we spend over four hours discussing many things, so we can't throw in the regular show on top of that. Well, well I guess we could, we could, but yeah, but we already have trouble with people listening to a four-hour show. Can you imagine them listening to a six-hour one <laughs> or eight hours? Yeah, or we just you know have it instead of recording. It's just a live stream twenty-four-seven. <laughs> yeah, I the actually podcast never ends. I actually am doing some testing. I'm considering live streaming the show as well uh, on the Twitch channel, but I'm still figuring out how to do that i tried to do it last week when i recorded straight as a pretzel uh and i really really fucked it up (laughs) all of that stuff was unusable thankfully i also recorded on audacity instead of just going all in on that so uh the show was saved but 
yeah, it was terrible. So, you know, it's a shame we don't know anyone that live streams a podcast while they're recording. Oh, wait. I know, I know. I told them that we should we should hook up, and all I got was a like on that tweet. So, <laughs> well, supposedly, well, what, uh, what we're alluding to is the Boosters at Space Tape podcast. Uh, they are going to have their last Kerbal Space Program episode this coming weekend, uh, which I'm most likely going to disrupt because that's what I usually do anyway. <laughs> what can I say? I'm a destructive uh, presence in the chat. Uh. And they're supposedly going to be going into a more space themed, uh, sp- space themed uh, gaming podcast, a uh, more general topic. So yep. I want to be on that show. I want to talk about games like Freelancer and Starpoint Gemini so much. Space <laughs> games. Yeah, I mean, guys, yeah, guys, we're gonna, please. We're going to have to yeah, bunk Aki on the head and just, yeah. We'll, 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 we'll replace Aki. We'll, <laughs> we'll take a bad. Uh, uh, English slash uh, Australian accent because he's starting to pick up a little bit of it <laughs> just through osmosis. Yeah, just living there for a while. <laughs> hmm. Yes, please, guys. I want to be on your space show to talk about space games and space things. You know, I'm 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 being cool. You know, like you can invite me if you want to, but really, I would on this show, guys. Please, so oh, please, 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 please so much. Thank yeah, you. besides, we've already kidnapped Aki once. Who said that we can't do it again? Yeah. And uh, I remember several, many months, it might have been a year ago, uh, a million lights when they were trying out, what was that of the podcast that they did? Uh, like three or four episodes of? Oh, the, 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 they, they've had a couple of podcasts that's gone like two or three episodes and just died off. Well, uh, it, it was uh, the Space Station themed one. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, he was like asking for tips on how to edit really long podcasts and things, and it felt, made me feel really good. Yeah, but why would he ask you? You hardly edit at all. There's a lot. I've, <laughs> I've made this. I, I, I've made that joke so much, but occasionally I do like to remind people that there is quite a bit of effort that goes into the, the show. Particularly last week, it it usually takes me an hour and a half or so to do a three hour show, like. I'm super streamlined and because we're very much sort of back and forth, like very talk heavy as opposed to like talky, like go bit to bit heavy. It takes me a lot less time because I don't have to hit as many points and insert as many like audio effects and things to transition. Uh, But last week's show, there was so much editing going on. It took me like three and a half hours or so to do the edit for the E3 show. That yeah, was a big which, one. Uh, you uh, are running a timer now, so hopefully that'll make things a little bit easier. I, I don't know why you weren't running one before, because that seems intelligent. Yeah. I just, it's one of those things, like, you get into a method of doing something, and then you don't want to change your method, even if what you would change it to would be easier. There's still that little bump in the road where it's like i'm making this change plus i'm also incredibly resistant to change ask katie i hate when things change so even really good changes i'm like nope fuck it stay the same i don't want to change but that's a personal issue and uh you should go to the straight as a pretzel podcast to hear me talk about personal things wink although it's not like i don't talk about them uh, actually wouldn't that be more ding ding wink <laughs> dink dink yeah dink 
Well, oh. we've successfully gotten completely off course. We're doing so well, doing so well. <laughs> let's uh, let's bring it bring it back on track and uh, go talk about games that we played this week. So, Rage, what have you played this week? Oh, don't you want to start with two weeks ago? Uh, I sure we can start with two weeks ago. We, we've got the list; it's fine. <laughs> Oh, well, talking about uh, things just going completely off a cliff. How about a skiing game? Because a couple of weeks ago, they had a free weekend for Steep. That is the Ubisoft uh, skiing game. And, yeah, that game is really... Well, let's just put it this way. The, I found the price a little too steep for what uh, that game has. hey uh, I, We've made that joke before, but it still holds true, especially after playing it for a while. Now, I missed the open beta when uh, it originally came out because I had just other things to work on. But, you know, I thought, let's try it this time around. And it's one of those games that I could definitely see people that are into skiing and into, well, it's skiing, snowboarding, uh, paragliding, or, or this wingsuit thing. It's not technically paragliding. It's, you know, it's flying squirrel uh, cosplay. Oh, and I'm blanking on what uh, the uh, the others are. No, no, there was a paragliding thing, uh, but it was a proper paraglide. Yeah, you know, like uh, you have the giant fuck off fan on your back and you're uh, flying around. It's just uh, you know, uh, gliding with a parachute. Uh, and there was something else that I'm completely blanking on. Uh, but it's uh, essentially different winter sports. I mean, that's the crux of it. And uh, it's open world-esque, but there's also events that you can play. Uh, uh, my main problem with Steep was the same problem I actually had with Shadow of the Colossus, is that I absolutely hate the fucking camera in this game. Because it seemed like it was always too busy trying to show off and not trying to show me where I was going. There was many times that I pulled a perfect impression of Sony Bono plowing headlong in, into a tree... Because I couldn't see where I was going because the camera decided, you know, let's point towards the ground as you're trying to land a jump. Was that in bad taste? No. <laughs> I had a chuckle. Uh, it was either I would just plow headlong into a tree or during the wingsuit phases that I was uh, trying to play, uh, I would go full long dark. As I would try to uh, judge if I was going to uh, be able to get through a, uh, or if I was pulling up enough to get a little bit more altitude to, well, uh, be able to avoid a ridge. But because the camera was behind and above me, it's hard to judge that really well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just kept, you know, (laughs) long darting into this ridge. And I'm sure it's something that you could probably get used to uh, if you played the game enough, but it's I had no interest in buying the game, and it was just yeah trying it for a th- free weekend. And there is a first-person camera. I, I, that's, that's the thing, is that there is a first-person camera. And it's the GoPro cam, yeah, the, the one that they strapped to your head. But it seems like the uh, it, that is more of a difficulty thing because the it looks wherever the bottle is looking, and the bottle has this... Uh, absurd fascination with their own skis or a uh, snowboard. So they're constantly looking down at their snowboard and then looking back up and looking back down, looking back up. And, and it's just, why? 
Do, do, do real skiers not look where the fuck they're going when they're going 60 miles an hour down a uh, mountain slide? I don't know. I've never been skiing before in my life. Oh, well, I haven't either. It's just one of those things that I've, <laughs> after playing this, I don't want to. Uh, but it was kind of funny that, yeah, well, uh, well, obviously they uh, put out the free weekend just before they announced the uh, the Olympics things, which, uh, which I think would give this game a lot more legs because a lot of what the game is built on, at least for the time being, is built around this uh, sort of well, there are set challenges, and there's a story mode, which, uh, like all sports games, it's extremely cringy, and I don't get why EA wants to put story in this. Let's put it this way. One of the very, very early cutscenes uh, that you get in this game uh, for one of the story modes, or one of the little mountain stories, or whatever they're calling it, uh, you get out of a helicopter, reach into the helicopter, grab a can of Red Bull, pull it out, drink it, and then throw the can into the helicopter and go skiing down the uh, mountainside. And no, I'm not joking. How can you drink a can of Red Bull that fast? That stuff's nasty. I have no idea. Maybe he's uh, developed the ability just to open up his throat so it's, uh, you know, it's just uh, like pouring it out just down his throat uh, so he doesn't have to taste the, the rancid stuff. And Jared's like, oh my. <laughs> <laughs> Open wide. But just, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, if this was, if this was like a 20 to $30 game, I think it would make a lot more sense. But the fact that I'm pretty sure it's still a $50 game with, uh, with a DLC on it as well. And, uh, that, that's something that also, else that kind of caught me off guard when the Ubisoft conference came up is that they were talking about the first expansion. And it's like, wait, didn't you already have an expansion? Uh, did, did, did the first DLC not count? Apparently not. And it's one of those things that it also is kind of uh, this weird juxtaposition because the first uh, expansion is just really, really, really strange. Let's just put it this way. there's uh, They introduced costumes into it where you could dress as a dinosaur and go down the mountainside. I see nothing wrong with that. But then, but then the next expansion or the next uh, DLC or whatever has Olympic style or uh, it's actually Olympic th- uh, licensed because you can't use the term Olympics without it being licensed. Can you? I don't know, actually, That's because a- they had the Olympic rings in it. So it had to be licensed. Let me do a quick Google search. I mean, the Olympics, uh, they're almost as bad as the Red Cross when it comes to their uh, trademarks. As a matter of fact, if you may have noticed that there's been a wave of uh, games uh, patching themselves to get rid of the uh, Red Crosses on uh, health packs, that's why is that the Red Cross is just going absolutely berserk lately. So if you're going to advertise or place the Olympic rings in anything that's going to potentially make money, you do have to license them. But so this is you, licensed because they had the Olympic rings in this. Yeah, but this is saying that if you want to use them as part of like a school project or as long as you're doing it for something that's like nonprofit or something like that, Come on, you can get away with using them. So, well, yeah, no, they're definitely not. No, they had to license that, but. It's just kind of strange that, you know, you go from uh, inflatable dinosaur costumes to the Olympics. I mean, to be fair, you know, the Olympics uh, DLC makes a lot more sense to me, but... Mm, 
I know the inflatable dinosaur is more your speed. Yeah, it is. It's just one of those uh, strange things. If the camera handled a little bit uh, differently, I wouldn't have that much of a problem with this game uh, overall. And I think I figured out uh, what I would have preferred the camera to do. Instead, uh, like, for example, when you're turning left or right, uh, the camera, instead of uh, trying to follow the action, it turns with you. So you get uh, less and less indication of what direct what is directly in front of you. So imagine uh, your character's at the center of a clock and the camera is always at the six o'clock position. I would have preferred uh, the camera to slowly rotate around to like the seven o'clock or maybe the eight o'clock if you're making a hard right turn to you know, give you a better indication of what is directly in front of you. Mm-hmm. Instead of you know, just <clears throat> uh, panning to the right. But I realize that that's a lot easier to code. Right. But it's not like this is a AAA company or anything, right? Yeah, no. Of course not. And let's see. Uh, oh, and my other annoyance with this game was it was it's very difficult to actually stop. <laughs> okay. Uh, because a because of course this is a Ubisoft open world game, so you have to go around and explore and find all the uh, stuff. And to do that, you have to stop and uh, look at uh, different drop points on the map. Well, there's a lot of times that I'll try to stop, which is pulling back on the analog stick. And the character will slow down, then start going backwards, and uh, then uh, swap around, go forwards again. And the thing is that you have to come to a dead stop in order to, one... Use your binoculars to uh, look at a drop zone to unlock it, and two, to be able to switch disciplines. So if I wanted to go from the snowboards to skis, which is a, handles uh, uphills a little bit better. Granted, even the skis are uh, handle a lot like the snowboard. There's not a lot of difference in between the two that I can uh, feel, at least with the couple hours that I played. You would think that, you know, if there's a slight uphill section, you know, the uh, the skier would just use the poles to propel themselves forward. But instead, you know, if there's any uphill at all, they'll just uh, kind of just coast to a stop, then slowly start going backwards down the little incline. <laughs> uh, it's just one of those things that it felt very unpolished. Or maybe it's just I didn't spend enough time with it and I just couldn't be bothered. All right. Fair enough. What else you got? Speaking of unpolished, <laughs> is Quantum Conundrum uh, my new Let's Play series? Now, um, excuse you, <laughs> that I've been playing. And I'm, oh, this has been on my short list of games to play for a very, very long time. And this, it, it feels like I was a little deceived on what this game actually was going to be because, well, f- well, for one, uh, one of the, this is from Airtight Games or the former studio Airtight Games because they're a little dead now. And one of the creative minds behind it was Kim Swift, and Kim Swift was one of the game developers that was behind, uh, you know, a game that we. They have heard of called Portal. She was on the Portal team. 
Right. Yeah. Uh, so I was expecting, you know, a uh, physics-based platform or a physics-based uh, uh, first-person game. And what I got was a first-person platform uh, with a lot of physics-based puzzles. Not exactly what I was wanting. <laughs> and let's put it this way. There is a lot of first-person platforming in this, particularly once you get... In, well, the game is broken up into, uh, at least as far as I could tell, three phases or f- three different wings of the manor. And it's it has this very portal feel where you walk into a room and it seals behind you and you're l- locked into this room until you solve the puzzle that you go through a short corridor into the next room and repeat until you hit the end of the wing. And so it, and each room is very sparsely uh, decorated. It, it, like I said, it feels a lot like portal, but it's not portal. Uh, not even uh, just the fact that it, you know, doesn't have the titular f- portals in it. It's just that it feels like they had an idea of uh, what, po- what made portal fun. And then uh, kind of erased it off the design document. <laughs> well, let's put it this way: you also have the uh, uh, the person talking over the intercom. Only this time, it's Q from Star Trek. And okay. no, I'm not joking; it's John Delancey <laughs> who played Q, and uh, he he is funny uh, at times. Other times, he's just annoying. But. What really gets me is the first-person platforming, and there is just so much of, you know, get onto a couch that is flying across the level uh, while uh, time is slowed. And because there's so many items that are not an evenly, even platform, there's been times that I'll uh, land on something, and then because I didn't land on the flat portion of it, I'll slip off of it. And there's a weird bit of momentum with the movement as well, where it feels like it's built with a controller in mind, so you're having an analog movement. It feels like a low-rent portal. <laughs> Only uh, without the... Well, it feels like a low-rent portal that's a first-person platformer. Not exactly my cup of tea. Uh, I'll probably finish it. I mean, I'm not hating it nearly as much as I was hating uh, life playing Halo. So, yo, it has that going for it. Yeah, but you said yourself earlier, that's not a very high bar. True, but, yeah, it's... Uh, the fact that I'd much rather play a first-person platformer than play Halo, I'll tell you how much I was hating Halo. Fair enough. And I'm trying to think of anything else that really stands out about this. That, uh, like I said, this this is from a now-defunct game company. Oh, this is Square Enix game, so, yo, that's probably why, yo... They probably had some sort of unrealistic sales uh, expectations of this game. Now that I think about that, maybe of exactly what happened with this, because this came out in, I want to say, 2012, 2013. Yeah, uh, uh, a couple years after Portal 2 came out, so it was kind of the high time of the Portal-like games. So uh, maybe uh, Square Enix saw... Well, we have Kim Swift. Uh, yeah, she was uh, behind uh, the original Portal and uh, the student uh, project Decambular De- Drop, I believe it is. I could never uh, say the first word of that properly, just because it's nonsense. But eh. so maybe they had thought that yo, this will sell like Portal. <laughs> we'll get we'll get John Delancey. Uh, yo, uh, throw a uh, buckets of money at him to uh, yo, and let him be John Delancey. 
Yeah. Didn't quite work out for them the way they thought it would. No. That's not to say that this is a bad game. It's just, uh, yeah, you have to go into it with the proper expectations. And I think I, I'm starting to uh, get the proper expectations for it. And there are really, really tricky puzzle elements in this. And there's uh, a lot of times that you'll, I overthought some of the puzzle elements, mostly because, well, for one, one area in the last recording session, they actually broke their own rules where you go through one way and it's instant death unless you're, uh, uh, essentially distracting a set of lasers. But if you're going from the other direction, it's not instant death, even though there's no reason for it not to be instant death. Or let's see, there was a, another section where in order to make a jump, you had to quickly turn on and off uh, the time slope uh, power. There, there, well, I, I should say what this game uh, actually is, because there's four powers, and I just unlocked the fourth one. Uh, there's a fluffy dimension, which is uh, the home dimension of the furry. <laughs> There's okay. the there's the heavy dimension with this, which is the home uh, dimension of uh, of uh, heavy rock, of uh, uh, metal because everything's made out of metal and uh, whenever you change dimensions sometimes the por- uh, the portraits on the that sometimes on the walls will change as well so uh, you'll see uh, people get into uh, uh, bunny outfits in the fluffy dimension get into essentially biker outfits in the uh, heavy dimension that sort of thing. Then there's the time slow dimension where everything kind of slows down. You know, sort of like Tom whenever you're watching the EA uh, E3 conference. Right. And I just unlocked the inverse gravity uh, dimension where everything floats up. Uh, no uh, witty pun there, by the way. <laughs> uh, and you have to use uh, these powers uh, to, uh, to, tra- to traverse the level. And you can see where going into this with these different powers and these different abilities, you would think that it would be more of a physics-based puzzler instead of a first-person platformer because, you know, uh, changing the weight of an object, being able to throw uh, throw a safe and then uh, have it uh, return to normal in midair, you would think, well, that would be used in uh, first-person, not in a first-person platformer, but more of a physics puzzler. But you would be mistaken. Great. I love being mistaken. And when I no, say I love it, I mean, I hate it. Yeah, I think this would have done a lot better if they didn't rely so much on the first-person platforming. As a matter of fact, I went back after I started playing this and uh, to watch the zero punctuation of this. Yeah. And <laughs> Yahtzee pretty much summed it up where uh, he started talking about how they could fuck right off with the <laughs> landing on tiny objects and flying through the air. Oh. Uh. That's not to say that there aren't cool segments where they do that. Usually they have it where it's a group of uh, things, though. So if you aim for the first one, you'll usually land on it uh, or land on the second one if you miss the first one. So, yeah, there is some sort of inbuilt uh, air correction. But there's a lot of segments where you you have to land on this one thing to jump off and land on another, then land on another, and it can get very frustrating. So... So, speaking of very frustrating, let's move on to Forts. Okay. Oh, this is a game that I wanted to do a Sunday sampler on. But it's one of those games that... It it feels like it's a game developer that's made a game for themselves and forgot that, you know, other people aren't going to be experts at this game. So, they have no idea how to play this. 
uh, what this game is, is uh, you, I think of it as a combination of sort of uh, worms with a uh, fort building aspect built into it, where you have to uh, destroy the enemy fort with your uh, fort as you're building it. And it's a lot of it comes down to really the speed of your building, but you also have to be very precise in your building. And that's where things kind of break down because if you screw up, it is very easy to end up in a situation where your fort is not optimal and at times you won't even be able to place something properly because, uh, for example, guns, um, because this is a, uh, Weapon based, uh, you know, team weapon. Uh, it's, uh, I'm not even sure what to call this genre really. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, you can't put weapons on a uneven surface. So if you screwed up on building your, uh, fort and have an uneven floor, well, you may not be able to put a weapon there and that may screw up your entire design because you're having to rush, rush, rush uh, to get everything built. Okay. And and there's the enemy the enemy that's also throwing stuff at you the entire time because it's not yeah I looked at I looked at this game originally and I thought this was going to be a turn based game but it's not it's a real time based okay I mean you could uh, I, I saw you just clicked on the link to look at this game yeah well it's actually on my wish list but I want to go back and look at it to get a visual refresher on what's going on. And I also assumed it was turn-based, but it's no, not. No, it is not. It is not. It is a real-time. And that's that's where I think this game falls apart, really, is that the fact that it's a real-time uh, building. Because a lot of it, it feels like it's a phone interface where you have to cl- uh, click and drag and uh, 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 build up things. And if you uh, misclick, and it's very easy to do because the entire game is physics-based. So uh, if your fort isn't... Uh, if you take a hit while you're building and your entire fort shifts, so instead of grabbing the floor to drag it up to create another section, you, cl- you click on the little uh, corner, you'll drag up the wall instead, which could be very frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, I think my, well, uh, my main problem with this is really comes down to usability because you have three weapon groups that you could set up. Uh, and uh, I didn't even realize this until quite a ways in that you could actually do this because they never tell you in the campaign. <laughs> and going into the help menu, well, let's put it this way. The uh, main help menu is just hieroglyphics, essentially. <laughs> because it tells you, grab this to move this up to create a new section, and it's absolutely useless. And then you go into the keys, and it's just a group of keys that has really no discernible pattern to what they are, <laughs> or, you know, the buttons. So it's just a mystery of what is going on there. Yeah. So eventually I figured out, all right, well, I can make uh, weapon groups. Well, turns out you can't group snipers because they found that to be too powerful, but they didn't want to, you know, try to balance them. So, you, oh, you can't group snipers for uh, some arbitrary reason. And the thing is that you're limited to three weapon groups. So, if you have more than one sniper, then you're eating up more and more of your weapon groups to be able to quickly use them. And the, and you also have to be able to go back and forth between your weapons very quickly. So, yeah, you know, it turns out 
you know, you may build one sniper <laughs> because uh, building any more, you're eating into your very limited pool of groups that you can make. And all the while you're trying to build up your fort, trying to armor your fort, uh, which requires you to right click on things and uh, uh, quickly uh, swap out uh, parts and also keep an eye on your resources. Uh, and you can see why I didn't do a video on this. Yeah. It's just way, way too chaotic for me to even uh, do uh, in ga normal gameplay. Yeah, it's pretty. In that would all be pretty insane to try and comment on at the same time mm -hmm. while and you're I playing it. And on top of everything, uh, on top of the chaos, is that there's not a lot of variety because it comes down to really, okay, uh, build your fort and hold off until you build one of two super weapons, either a laser that cuts through the enemy fort and instantly kills it, or a cannon that pretty much instantly kills the enemy fort. And that's about it. Uh, that's assuming that you're doing the skirmish or multiplayer, which there is a multiplayer component to this. But I didn't bother with it because, you know, the handful of people that are still playing this is, you know, the uh, people that are absolutely dedicated to this game. And, well, you can see some of the screenshots, the super laser just cutting through the fort and killing it instantly. Yeah. It's one of those games I really, really wanted to like, but it's just, there. it's one of those weird situations where there's not enough there and at the same time too much there. There's too much uh, chaos management, there's too much uh, trying to quickly build and uh, maintain things, uh, and uh, quickly switching between the your very, very limited sets of weapons, but at the same time, you're very limited on what you can actually build. You can only build... Uh, mines and certain areas to generate your resources. You could only uh, have, let's see, there's the weapon shop and then there's the upgrade station, which the upgrade station uh, takes weapons offline to be able to upgrade them. So uh, honestly, a lot of times I found it to be just kind of redundant that you could just, you know, uh, throw more weapons or more of that particular type. Uh, there's batteries that increases the amount of power that you could hold a, a, a metal uh, thing that you could uh, build up to uh, increase your capacity of metal to be able to repair easier and then you have five different weapons you have a mini gun which is used usually to shoot uh, missiles out of the air missiles which you could uh, just obliterate the enemy for if you don't have uh, if they don't have mini guns uh, a sniper a border, cannon, and super laser. And that's about it weapon-wise. <laughs> so like I said, it's one of those weird paradoxes where there's not a lot and, there, and there's too much. <laughs> right. Very strange, huh? Yeah, interesting. I don't, I'm not sure I want to buy it anymore. Yeah, I don't know, maybe. Put you off of it. It's, well, one of those it's one of those things that, like I said, it's, it's one of those games that parts of it I would absolutely love. And there's a lot to it that I want to like a lot more. It's just if they made it turn based. Yeah. If they made it turn based, where you know every turn you had you generate your metal and your wood and you or your metal and your energy and you build up and then uh, even simultaneous turns, I think would have made a lot more sense. Yeah. Or to have like take a turn and then there's a combat phase and then take a turn and there's a combat phase. That would make more sense to me. I don't know. 
with the Steam sale being this coming week, if it's cheap enough, I'm, I might buy. I don't know. I might not. And That'd they just really released a, and they just released the Commanders, which is only in Skirmish or uh, multiplayer, which, like I said, the multiplayer, the few people that are playing it are just a dedicated few. Yeah. And, they're, and the Commanders are usually just absurdly powerful as well. Yeah. So let's see. How about uh, a nice little fluffy game that I uh, played instead for a Sunday sampler? Okay. Uh, Art of Gravity, which is a uh, physics-based puzzler. <laughs> of course uh, it is. Uh, this, it's not a mobile port, but it definitely, definitely feels like it. So I imagine that it's probably going to go the other way and it'll eventually be on a phone. Uh, because this company also does a lot of stuff on Google Play and just looking at their stuff there's a lot of crossover but this is essentially a game about taking balls and breaking bricks and uh lots of explosions and maybe that's why i kind of actually like this and that it's dirt cheap (laughs) they don't try to pretend that yeah we're we're on pc so we're going to charge you 10 bucks no pc tax yay but it's really just about uh exploding different uh levels it's a very short game it's only a likely a couple hours uh in uh, length but also is a dollar so you know it's uh comes down to actually a fairly decent price for a little rather clever puzzler because i i really break it down uh perhaps a little too simply because it's uh about clearing the level of the blocks and there's different types of uh, things that you could uh, have. You have uh, balls that could come in from one of six directions and impact any block on the level. Uh, you have bombs that could uh, explode. Uh, in uh, for, On sub-levels, you're able to move them. You have some uh, blocks that are resistant to uh, a certain color of ball, so you have to use a different color of ball, assuming that you have access to that, or you have to just uh, hit a, uh, you know, uh, deal with the resistant block. You have balls that will go through blocks and shatter planes of glass. You have glass that, well, like I just said, will uh, be resistant to some balls and cause it uh, cause explosions to be contained. And like I said, it's uh, it's uh, interesting and uh, somewhat creative uh, little puzzle game. I did have uh, my problems with it, of course, because I'm me. <laughs> right. Uh. It locks the camera to an isometric view. You're able to uh, rotate around somewhat freely uh, to about, I would say, the 45 degree positive and negative on the uh, 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 on the equatorial axis. Uh, so for some levels where you have to drop a ball from the top or the bottom, it could be a little bit troublesome to figure out exactly what direction or, you know, how things will react. Uh, because you're not able to see quite as clearly as you should be able to, and also because the camera snaps to these isometric views, it can sometimes be a little disorienting of you know just how the level is built. Uh, and also, there's not a level select screen, so you are able to replay levels, but you have to go through them individually uh, and uh, going back and forwards. Which, if you want to play a particular level again, that you know is very satisfying to watch explode, you know, you're going to have to just really try to just go back and back and back 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 but honestly this isn't a game i think you would play more than uh, once or maybe twice 
and there's not a huge emphasis on alternate uh, uh, solutions to a lot of these puzzles. There are a few, but most of them are tied to achievements, so it's going to be more tricky than you may expect to find the alternate solutions. Yeah. This looks cute. I'm going to add it to my wish list. Who knows, maybe it'll be like 25 cents or 50 cents on this team sale. Uh, and that's I can... what I'm expecting about a 50 cent game. Yeah. I mean, hell, they're... Uh, uh, they have uh, what they call the relaxing puzzle box from the, the same developer that's uh, $3.36. <laughs> yeah. That's super cheap. Three games for less than four bucks four, without it even being on four sale. Games. Like four games. Four games for less than four bucks without it even being on sale. Well, it has a 15% sale on it. Eh, whatever. Well, I was being fair. It's the 15%. It's just the like this... Uh, the bundle discount, though. It's not like yeah. sale, sale. It's cute, though. Yeah, I figured, uh, well, uh, after having Forts kind of fall flat on its face, I wanted something uh, quick and easy to uh, do, and I pulled this out of my review bin. Which the previous two games were review copies, by the way, so. Hmm. Right. And then, let's see, uh, my last game that I played was Faria, which uh, I came back, well, I've been uh, checking it on it occasionally, but uh, they ha- well, they started a uh, new, I guess you could call it event, where they're having a bunch of world bosses, and they also expanded their single-player content quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the world bosses, I think, are by far the most interesting bit that they're doing, where it's individual uh, 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 battles, and there's different, uh, I guess, themes to them is the proper way to do it. I've only done two out of, I think... Eight so far because they just released another set of them uh, right before we recorded this, and I was missed the way through the first set. Uh, well, let's put it this way: the the first boss I fought was the Yak boss, where it had wait for chuckle. I wasn't I wasn't going to chuckle okay. actually. Okay. But, well, okay. the the Yak boss where uh, it had pretty much all the cards that would summon angry yaks and uh, summon groups of yaks and. But uh, when I beat the game, when I beat that battle, the board was just it, it looked like a herd of yaks just wandered onto it. <laughs> I, I, and it was actually a very, very tough fight. The The second fight that I did uh, for a world boss was uh, actually probably the most fun I've had with this game outside of multiplayer, which is just the multiplayer of this game. Uh, like I said, ages ago is a lot more satisfying to play than anything I've ever done in Hearthstone. Uh, but uh, the second world boss is every time an enemy di- or sometimes every time an enemy dies, its health gets uh, its health and uh, attack gets transferred to a creature in your hand. So or, or to uh, their hand. So if I kill, let's say something that's a one one, well, it gives uh, something in the enemy's hand a plus one one, and then they summon it. And let's say they summoned a 1-1 with that 1-1. Well, okay, a 2-2. Well, that dies. A 2-2 buff gets put into their hand on a random creature. So you can see how this can spiral out of control very quickly. (laughs) Yeah. And that was actually a lot of fun and very intense. It was one of those uh, games where I was playing it almost like I had one health point because... Some of the creatures that were being thrown out, I was uh, playing a deck that was reliant on big creatures anyway and a lot of buffs. 
So you can just imagine what I was throwing out, let alone what the uh, World Encounter was throwing out. And it was a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed that one. I still need to play a lot of the other World Bosses, though. I still have uh, probably about six or seven of them now. Just because I have the second set to go through still. And they're all tied to various levels of your account. So as you play the game, your account levels up and you get gold and you get... Uh, you, they actually give you uh, uh, legendary creatures as well, or le- legendary cards <laughs> for leveling up. Which was a little bit shocking. Uh, you'll hit a uh, like level 30 or level 40 and I'll say, Well, it looks like you don't have these legendary cards. Uh, pick one. Like I said, uh, yeah, like I said, a very generous game. And the uh, single player component that they added on, on top of the world bosses, is uh, they essentially took what uh, single player content they had and remixed it where uh, you have a pack of, I think it's seven different encounters that gets remixed over and over again. It allows you to level up your account to get that gold and get the uh, cards and everything else that gets, that gets tied to your account leveling up. And some of the encounters are extremely tough and a lot of fun because they change the board. Uh, some of the boards will have it instead of having the four farrier wells, which is how you generate your mana. Uh, it should go into this where, uh, where I explained this a little bit better because what happens in this game, it's not like Hearthstone where you have a set board and that's it. Uh, what this is, is you're generating a hex-based map. And on this map, or, well, depending on the level, usually uh, it's four Faria Wells, and in multiplayer, it's always four Faria Wells, uh, and essentially the corners of the map. And uh, the map you generate is, uh, you're essentially partially your mana, uh, uh, it's essentially your colored mana in uh, Magic the Gathering, where uh, a a card may require okay this card requires two forests to summon you have to have two forest hexes under your control to be able to summon it on top of the mana cost which is generated both each turn you get three uh, fairy or three mana and then if there's a creature setting next to one of the whales you also gain a bonus fairy for each whale that you essentially control and you can see how map control and map generation becomes a huge component of this game. And the single player could uh, throw a wrench in this where, okay, this map only has two farrier wells. Or instead of in the corners of the map, the farrier wells are in the middle. And it, co- and it forces you to rethink your strategy. It's a lot more. And once they do uh, the co-op, I do want to bring you into this. <laughs> okay. I mean, I've been saying I want to play it for a little while. I just have never gotten into it. But well, they've essentially added uh, endless single-player content, and the in their Pandora mode, which is essentially their arena mode, is also very interesting. Where it has the typical, you know, uh, here's five cards, pick one. Okay, here's another set of five cards, pick another one. Uh, they start off. Uh, there's five colors in the game. There's a blue, red, yellow, uh, green. And uh, there's um, a neutral color. And what happens is at the start of the Pandora mode, you're given three colors and the fourth one is locked out. And neutral is always available. And you're building your deck around that. And after choosing ten cards, they give you a treasure card, which is an absurdly powerful card that's only available in Pandora mode. Uh, And you choose one of three treasures. 
and what happens is uh, during the Pandora mode, as the your you and your opponent goes through the, your deck, you're getting shards of Pandora. Once uh, you get five total in the match, that's between the two, both yourself and your opponent. The fairy wells dry up, uh, meaning that you no longer get the fairy from them. Instead, you're getting six per turn instead of the usual three. And the cards that you pick on your 10, 20, and 30, your treasures, are shuffled into your deck. And it can become just absurd. <laughs> and it's probably the closest you can get to Hearthstone, where there's the I win condition from a single card. But even then, I, I, it's nowhere near just the stupidity, the stupidity of Hearthstone. Have I mentioned that I don't really care for Hearthstone? <laughs> a couple of times, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, that's Faria. I'll probably play it next week when I'm on my trip, or when I go on my trip. Yeah, because it would be a great game to play on my laptop. Yeah, I think uh, I know that they were testing out the uh, Google Play version of it, uh, but I'm not sure if it's in a general release yet. Uh, no, it looks like it is. So it's a mobile game as well now. Cool. I think you, uh, like I said, I think you would enjoy it since you like your strategy games. And this is basically a strategy version of uh, Hearthstone. Yeah. I'll have to. I'll have to play it on the trip. I'll. I assume they have shared accounts. I'll put it on my phone. Yeah. And, yeah. They have a shared account thing. Install uh, it on my and, laptop. Uh, and just add me as your recruiter, and I'll get. Uh, I get goodies, and you get goodies. Yay, goodies. Uh, Caffeine Rage is a recruiter. Ding. Ding. Cool. Dink. So, Feria was your last game, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on to my games. I only played two new games this week. After E3 uh, and, like, the massive games overload, plus I had, like, a really busy work week and some other stuff going on, I just was, like, in burnout mode for new games and doing, like, uh, recording and testing things out. So mostly I played like Transport Fever and Euro Truck and things like that. Like games that mostly so I could sit and just do something and listen to podcasts and chill out. Mm-hmm. But uh, I did play a couple of of uh, review titles that I got from Keymailer. One yeah, that I, I was... Yeah, I, I intended to play this one. I just never got around to it. Well, you should be happy you didn't, because it would be wasting your time. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, so I played these couple of games that I was actually looking forward to. I was like, you know what? I'll give them a shot. Uh, so Disputed Space is the first one. This is a Six Degrees of Freedom space arcade shooter that has procedurally generated like star fields and nebula backgrounds and stuff. It's very pretty. Not that you could tell but from all the cannon fire. But yeah, there's like 18 million laser and plasma bolts and and things. So the positive things about this game, it looks great. The art style is good. They went for a very jagged, for the most part, sci-fi uh, look of old, and and it ho- it looks really good. Uh, there's it's not cell shading, but it's got something going on with its art style that kind of makes it look cell shaded. It's Gorgeous! I really like it. All of the sounds are spot on, like the laser sounds and the torpedo sounds. And I sure hope the laser sounds are spot on with how many they are shooting. There's a ton of different ones as well, which is could be a good thing later when they've worked on it some more. But each of the weapons sounds and looks different, and uh, 
uh, feels and sounds really good to shoot. Um, and yeah, it looks real pretty and it sounds really pretty. And then after that, the game kind of starts to fall apart. Uh, I think that this, uh, they haven't called it a beta or anything like that, which is good because this is definitely like alpha or maybe even pre-alpha. Like this feels like a proof of concept or something like that. Like, check out this cool art style. Look at this game that I'm making. Isn't it fancy? That's great. Now I'm going to go hide it for two years and work on it some more. There's so much stuff missing what, from the game. What, did they put it out on E3? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, there's so much stuff missing from this game. Like, the HUD is useless. Uh, so you have... How many different weapons are there? I think there's six different primary weapons and two different secondary weapons that you can cycle through. But I don't know if they do different damages and... Like, if there's a benefit or a detriment to using them... Well, see, one goes pew, another one goes pew-pew, and so, the, a third one goes pew and, and then there's no information on enemy or friendly ships, aside from visual cues. Like, whenever a ship is about to explode, it kind of catches on fire. But other than that, there's nothing. Like, you can't lock on, you can't target, you have no idea. The first time I started playing it, I didn't know which ships were friendly or which ships were enemies. Like, it doesn't tell you. It's just like, oh, there's a train. I wasn't going to say anything. And let it, yeah, you just edited it out. <laughs> it absolutely says that. It's like, yeah, there's a train out there. Go blow it up. Um, but no, it just doesn't It doesn't tell you anything. It's like, oh, go kill the enemies. It's like, great. Which ones are the enemies? Is it the yellow ships or the blue ships or the green ships or the red ships? In other words, you are fucked if you're colorblind. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, and there's, there's no options menu. Uh, well, I guess technically there's an options menu. You can turn the volume up and down, but you can't change anything. No graphics, no resolution, no nothing. Uh, thankfully, it was running at like a thousand frames a second, so I think that you'd be okay on that front, uh, unless you have like, I don't know, a toaster that you're trying to play it on. Or it just or, doesn't like your hardware. <laughs> or it just, yeah, or it just doesn't like your hardware. So, I mean, there's like, all of the missions are the same that I've played so far. It's just go blow up all of the bad guy ships. And once you blow up all the ships, you win. And you immediately warp to the next mission. It's just... It's it's way too early to be an early access game. I mean, it works. So that's better than some other early access games that I've played. And it has a really good art style that is really nice and very coherent and beautiful to look at. So it's got that, but otherwise, gameplay wise, yeah, it's maybe just it's useless. Mean to me. Uh, but as soon as you, uh, as soon as you got the uh, review copy as well, it's like, oh boy, this is not uh, probably not as going to be as good as it looks. <laughs> maybe that's just be, me being mean. But you uh, haven't gotten a lot of good games yet from Key Mailer. No, I've got, a, I've got a couple. The next thing I'm going to talk about is I like a lot, but we'll get to that in a few minutes. I mean, they just put out an update yesterday. I, uh, I played it on Monday. They put an update yesterday that addressed one of my issues, which is your ship is way too slow and takes way too long to go anywhere. And he's added an afterburner, the the dev, so that you can go faster. And apparently the homing missiles now track better, but I didn't have a problem with the homing missiles tracking anyway, so I don't know. But, I mean, you just you line the reticle up and you shoot the missile and it tracks the ship that you shot it at. blows up. But... Do you think he's trying to hide a lot of this, uh, a lot of the game's issues just behind uh, 
uh, thousands and thousands of lasers blasts? I don't think so. I think that this dev... Yeah, I don't know. I went kind of quiet on that for a second, because I don't know. Maybe not, now that I think about it. It's just, early access has become this thing that very, very, very few games get right. And I feel like this dev is probably young and ambitious and is excited because he's put together something really pretty. Because it is. It is genuinely pretty. It looks and it sounds like sci-fi, which is nice. And he's probably like, yeah, people are going to love this. But the gameplay mechanics and logic just aren't developed enough yet. But because early access says, ah, put it out there anyways, it's fine. You learn a few bucks while you while you develop, then, you know, this guy's just like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Why not? Yeah, I'm just trying to find this guy's website. I'm not finding it. Shiloh Games, developer and publisher. I assume that's what he's calling his mm-hmm. studio. Let's see what Google has to say. Oh, God, that's terrible. It's a shilohgames.com, and it's just a website that has lots of screen caps or screenshots of the game on it with no design. It's just a white page with screenshots on it. Oh, I didn't even find that. I Googled it. Do I want you to. Yeah. Yeah, Go ahead and toss me a link to that because this ought to be interesting. I did find a Twitter that looks like someone's personal Twitter. Yeah, this this is terrible. It's just there's no web design at all. I made better websites than this in uh, in my computer science class in high school. Let's see. View page source. Wow. (laughs) Uh, Just take a look at page source. Okay. It's just literally image link. Uh, break line, image link, break line, image link, break line. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm not surprised. I could, you can see that just by looking at it. It's more. It's. I wanted to see if there was more behind the scenes, and there's not even a a, a company email or, or you know no contact info. Uh, I, I think that's the most damning thing is that there's no contact at all. So maybe the uh, this Twitter I found is uh, you know their twi- I don't know it, it's uh, maybe this is going to be a problem going forward uh, because Steam Direct is uh, active now and uh, we're going to see uh, the influx uh, in July of all the new indie devs uh, that are going to be coming through it and greenlight essentially greenlit everything that was left on it <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's. I, I feel like this is a good concept. This is a great, you know, a great concept to take to, like, Kickstarter or something and be like, here's my concept for my game. Here's what I'm really good at, at art and things, but I'm not so great at designing other aspects, so I need money to hire those people like to websites. make this game better. Yeah. But, you know, they just this guy's just dumped it on Steam. I mean, it's they, it's receiving pretty quick updates since it was launched, but so hopefully he continues to work on it. But I have very little faith in in these games anymore in early access. So, oh you know, my we'll god, see. you are becoming me. 
I really hope, I really like the art style. I hope that it becomes uh, a decent game. I hope that they put some work into it, but I mean, only time will tell. I'll check back in in six, eight months. See it's where it like, is. Uh, two more updates and the game just goes dead. Like, I would say a good half of indie, of uh, these indie uh, early access games. Yeah. Which I think that's going to be a, a big problem coming forward is that we see so many of these early access games just die on the vine. And it's going to break confidence of the early access program. Not that there's a lot of confidence there to begin with, but still. Yeah. Um. So the other game that I played is Galact Quest. And no, that is not a typo. That's the actual name of the game, Galact Quest. Uh, and it is a match three puzzle style game where that you can choose between two characters that each have their own little story that are connected. Uh, and you go through and you solve puzzles and you progress the story, you know, unlock little levels and trophies. It's fun. It's a really nice, relaxing puzzle game. It's not difficult at all. Uh, you can turn on like a challenge mode, which gives you like time limits for all the levels and takes away some of the sort of comfort features. Like, so it's got these little, little cubes that you shoot up in order to, to match up you. It sounds, makes like a glass shattering sound, but anyways, it's got these little cubes you shoot up and you can like switch between the colors and everything like that. And you get lots of power ups that you can use. If you turn on the challenge mode, you can no longer switch the color of cube that you're shooting and you get less power ups to use during the, during the levels. And then also, like I said, there's a timer. So if you don't complete it before the time runs out, you fail and you have to restart it. But I just played it on the normal relaxing difficulty listen to the not too bad music i mean it's after a while it gets old because there's not a lot of variety to it but in the beginning for the first hour or so i was like this is actually pretty relaxing and nice i can handle this like just chill relaxed game uh it's got a very campy sort of sci-fi story the writing isn't the greatest you can see where it borrows from like star trek and star wars and things like that um but you know it's it's kind of silly and I like that sort of thing. Um, it's just a nice, fun, relaxing little puzzle game. It's super cheap too. It's only uh, four bucks. It's de- it's definitely worth four bucks. It's got like two hundred total levels to play through. I haven't played through all of them. I've completed one of the stories, and I'm working on the second one now. So you you can get through it pretty quickly if you're not you know not in challenge mode. Just hang out and and complete the puzzles at your own pace. Uh, it does have a couple of weird tech things. Like, I'm not a hundred percent sure what the resolution is of this game. It's definitely not 1920 by 1080. I can tell you that for sure. Uh, but I'm not sure it's. Uh, let's see, what is it? 1280 by 720. I don't think it's that either. Or 1600 by 900. It's like a weird aspect ratio. It's a 16 by 9 aspect ratio, but it's one of the weird intermediate ones, and you can't change it. So Oops. some it looks oddly stretched on my monitor, like in a weird... It's really hard to explain. You just have to see it, I think. But I don't know. It's, it's, that part's a little bit weird, but thankfully all of the fonts are really big, and the controls are, you know, fine. It's not like you're doing anything super intense and this game is um mostly like aside from the 
the actual like puzzle mechanics that you're doing everything is really really good looking like backdrops and storyboarding well, the, things uh, and sorry i was just saying all the screenshots look like they're 28 uh i'm oh, sorry 1280 by 720 it's definitely not 720 definitely not i think it's what's the 1360 whatever oh uh, it's just bull uh just above 720 yeah i was just saying that it yeah uh, the screenshots look like they're 720s. They, yeah, they. I mean, the screenshots might be. Let's see. I'm pulling up one of the little charts that's got all of the. I know those are those are just. Well, I was just looking at it in uh, Firefox. I gotcha. And just uh, copying the image location, so it gives me the biggest uh, resolution possible. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. It might it might be 720 and it just looks oddly stretched for some reason I don't know but I feel like it's in between a uh, 720 and 900p but anyways we'll go with yes anyways it doesn't really matter it really doesn't affect gameplay at all it's just like an odd quirk that I noticed and then forgot about after like 20 minutes so it's fun it's definitely worth four bucks it's just a nice little relaxing campy sci-fi game that's a match three puzzle or that has match three puzzle elements in it. It's cute. I'm glad I uh, I'm glad I got it. And I mean those are those are the only two new games that I played this week. So Yeah, so news time? Uh no, we're going to do our uh, right. Steam more more games. <laughs> right. <laughs> games, games and more games. We're going to do our Steam sale picks. So Rage and I went through and just picked five did you do five? I did five. Did yeah. you do five? Yeah, five games that we're really interested in for the Steam sale. So we're just going to take turns and oh my. talk about the games that we picked out and why. Yeah, and my picks, it was tough for me to do because usually I go based on what the actual sale price is. Yeah. And sometimes it's a, yeah, something I want doesn't get a good discount. Something else that is lower on the list uh, gets a better discount. It's like, well, that looks better. <laughs> Yeah, this was really difficult for me because we've got several lists running of games that we uh, want or need for the show. Like, there's the big multiplayer list that I've been putting together with everyone's help. I've got quite a bit of input on that list. Thank you guys very much. Um, And there's like 30 games on that list, which I've got to do something to pare down. Yeah, that's way too much. The top picks. Uh, I think I'm just going to go... Th- Once the sale starts tomorrow, I'm going to go through the list, I believe, and check out all the prices and use that to help determine which games are going to be the top of the list. But, I mean, eventually all of the games on that list will be played as part of our uh, multiplayer nights on Fridays. So those are things that you should definitely keep an eye on. Anyways, but I'll go through and mark the ones that are the most important based on their price and kind of how much I want to play them because, you know... Every once in a while, it's a democracy, and I ask what people want to play, but like 99% of the time, I'm just like, yep, we're playing this game. Anyways, Rage, what is your first pick? Well, my first pick was the, was a game you looked at, it's like, how did I not see this? Yeah, I've never <laughs> seen this game before, but I'm glad that you have. Uh, it's called Brick Rigs. It's essentially BeamNG, uh, which if you don't know what BeamNG is, it's a, a sandbox, uh, realistic uh, driving game. Meets Lego Bricks, where you can design and build your own Lego vehicles 
and they show everything from tanks to trains to a space shuttle. Literally a space shuttle. Uh, and drive it around and destroy things. And it's all physics-based, so uh, if you wreck your car, it explodes in glorious Lego destruction. <laughs> and like it's a very interesting idea. There's actually not a lot of Lego building games out there, is there? No, there's a couple, but... I mean, most of not, them went the sort of not, Minecraft... Yeah. Yeah, not a lot of them are vehicle-based. A lot of them are uh, the Minecraft style. Even the uh, official Lego one, uh, Lego World, it's more of a Minecraft open-world RPG and not going around building vehicles. And this is an early access game, but it is uh, getting at least somewhat frequent updates. The last one was in May, and they're supposed to have another one in uh, July after the Steam Summer Sale. And it also starts off fairly cheap for an early access game like this. It's uh, 15 bucks. So if it does go on sale, I'm not sure if it will just because it's an early access game. I'm expecting it to drop to around the $10 range. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I put this on my wish list. I don't know if I'm going to buy it or not. Like I said, it, it may end up being a Friday uh, thing. It might it be. Multiplayer. It might be. I might put it on the list. I don't know. We'll see. It's definitely on my wish list now. <laughs> okay. Well, my first game is Warshift. Uh, I think this is the only indie game on my list. Well, no, there's another one. Um, actually, there's two more. Okay, so that's not true. I was going to say, I only have one indie game on my list. I went all triple A's this time, but no. Uh, anyways, Warshift is um, a game that's a mix of real-time strategy and RPG elements. So there's the top-down grand strategy section where that you can, um, you know, set up your troops and your strategic elements and everything, and figure out what you're going to do. And then you can jump down and take over one of the vehicles, or well, many of the vehicles, to actually take part in the combat. And I'm a huge fan of these kinds of games. Um, I've played Carrier Command, which is just like this. Pretty, um, well. It's it's very much like this. Um, I've played uh, Well Poo. I can't remember the name of the game. It's a much older game that does this sort of thing. Um, and there's only been a couple of titles that I've ever seen that that do it other than this. And most of them do it poorly. But yeah, Warshift, most of the time, uh, this type of thing is just a, a gimmick. Maybe it'll be useful for a very particular thing, but it's not that often. Yeah. But Warshift looks like, it, I mean, with that being the main focus of the game, it looks like it's uh, going to be right up my alley for this sort of thing. So it's also pretty cheap, starting out at 13 bucks. It's It used to be early access. I mean, it's full release now, but whenever I put this on my wish list last year, it was in early access at the time. So um, I have high hopes for it. I mean, this is probably what I'm going to buy regardless of how what its sale price is. Or anything like that. I mean, it has a multiplayer aspect, but with me kind of going into it dry, I'm not sure I'm going to put it on the list of recommended multiplayer games, but who knows? It, but this is definitely one that I am for sure going to buy, regardless, because I've had my eye on this game for a long time. It was near the top of my wish list, um, like the sorted portion of my wish list that I actually care about, not like the, the thousand other games that are just on there. Um, 
And I usually buy the number one game on my wish list every sale, regardless of what its price is, because I've placed it at the top for a reason. So really looking forward to this game. I hope it doesn't suck. All right. Well, it's uh, my turn again with a darkest dungeon. This has been on my wish list for quite a while. Actually, I think all the way through its early access uh, portion as well. And this is essentially a, a mixture of dungeon crawler and uh, town management where you're building up your troop of dungeon crawlers to uh, go down uh, into the darkest, deepest dungeons and get loot and try to progress the story. It does seem like it's had some issues with uh, over the course of its early access phase because I'm looking at its reviews and it's mixed with uh, very positive overall. So it tells me that you know, something happened in the early access phase uh, that uh, maybe they changed some mechanics or something. I'm not sure. And mm-hmm. it did just recently. Well, it's on sale right now, but uh, it's a yeah. You know, it's kind of foolish to buy something right now because even though it is sixty percent off, it's you know you still get something back if you buy it during the sale. So yep. Uh, but uh, it's one of those things that one of the reasons why I haven't gotten this is that they want a premium for it. It's normally 25 bucks, and that seems a bit high for this type of game, to be perfectly honest. Yes, yes, I've realized that it it's one of these games that is really long in the tooth, that you get a lot of content out of it. But it's also one of those games that if you don't uh, uh, hit the ground running, you could end up where it just becomes a grind and not very fun. And yeah. I just don't want to risk that much money on it. And uh, one of the big criticisms I had heard about this game is that the long game, uh, the long game, the the end game, uh, starts to get very grindy, particularly if you get an unlucky roll and lose uh, your main crew, and that's kind of put me off of it. Uh, uh, yeah, really pulling the trigger on it in the past, so uh, it's on the list again, and we'll see how it goes. Awesome, yeah. This uh, is a game that's been on and off of my wish list too, over the over the last couple of years. I think it's been yeah, really. It's been out, well, in early access and then out for a while now, so. Yeah, and the the expansion just came out a couple of days ago, I believe. Yeah, it's uh, it's on my list right now, but I don't know. Yeah, um, matter of fact, it, the expansion came out June 19th, so two days ago. Cool. Uh, it, it It's going to be one of those wait and see and see how the sale goes, because... If it hits another 60% off, maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's just me being a cheap gamer, but it also it's one of those games that it's very hit or miss. Right. No, I understand And that. the fact that uh, RNG can absolutely screw you in this game. And if you lose your main crew, it sets you back a long ways of trying to progress the story. And it also has a few mechanics in it unless they've changed it and maybe that's part of the reason why it has a mixed review overall where it prevents you actively from grinding older dungeons with the same crew over and over again you you're forced to progress so it may be part of the reason why it feels very luck based right okay uh well my second game is XCOM 2 uh, how long has XCOM been out now? A couple of years? Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, so... As a matter of fact, they have the expansion coming out this year. 
Yes, they do. Um, I I love the XCOM series. Uh, I, I like the old series. I prefer the the re-release or the I don't know whatever you want to call it. It's not exactly a remaster. They're very different in a lot of ways. Revision. Yeah, the revision. That's a good way to say it. Uh, I prefer that. Just you know, modern game design, yada yada, all that stuff. Uh, and XCOM Two was always really been has really been high on my wish list, but I've just been itching to play it. So this is going to be one another one that no matter what its sale price is, I'm going to purchase it because I want to play it really badly. I'm not sure if I'm going to get just the standard game or the digital deluxe edition. Uh, is the digital deluxe edition going to come with the DLC? Most likely not. Okay. Well, we'll see then. I guess it just depends on the sale price as to which one I buy because, I mean, ultimately I'm going to wind up playing this with the Long War mod, so it doesn't matter what DLC and stuff I have. So it, it's just really going to come down to how much the, the discount is as to whether or not I buy the, the standard game or the digital deluxe edition, which does have the older DLC, yeah, I believe. Yeah, I don't think it has the expansion, though. I'm trying to find uh, what the Digital Deluxe actually has, and they don't exactly say that, which is frustrating. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on the store page right now looking for it. Oh, here here goes. The XCOM 2 Digital Deluxe Edition includes the full base game, XCOM 2 Reinforcement Pack, and the digital soundtrack. The Reinforcement Pack, so that's not even the DLC. Let's see. What is the Reinforcement Pack? The reinforcement pack is cosmetic. Okay, so never mind. Regardless of what the sale price is, I'm just going to buy the standard game because I don't give a shit about that. It does have this uh, Shin's last gift. and Introduces a new soldier class with unique uh, upgradable weapons, armor, and custom uh, custom features. And a new narrative-driven story and map. Okay, so maybe I will get it. It doesn't seem like it's worth it, though. If the sale's good enough, I'll buy it. But it it's all going to come down to the sale price. It, I probably wouldn't do it for 50% off because the Digital Deluxe Edition is 75 bucks, So that would be, what, thirty seven fifty. But, uh... Oh, okay, okay. I see what uh, this is now. Uh, the Reinforcement Pack is essentially their version of the Season Pass. Mostly. With... Oh, th- this is so... This is so badly designed on their store page. Oh, so it does have all of the DLC packs, because when you go look at them individually, it has Shin's Left, Last Gift, Anarchy Children, and Alien Hunters. Does it have the Resistance Warriors pack? I don't think so. Okay, so it's got all of the current DLC except for the Resistance Warrior pack. What is that? Customize your squad of Resistance Fighters with a set of bonus outfits, yay, and headgear, yay, as well as custom armor and face ammo. Instantly unlock a survivor of the old war as a new recruit in your barracks. Cool. I don't know if that has some sort of special significance in game. I mean, I, I know what happens. Well, I'm, tr- as I'm the- still trying to figure out why. Yeah, uh, this uh, the initial story starts like they did, uh, like they did it for XCOM two because it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to spoil it, uh, or should I? I doesn't really matter. Go ahead. Well, uh, the fact is that. Uh, XCOM 2 is essentially XCOM 1 uh, you played like me and you dumb fucked up you lost so uh, the beginning of XCOM 2 is trying to 
rescued the commander from XCOM 1 because, hey, let's give the guy that fucked up another shot. Yeah, except in my timeline, I won. I beat the shit out of those aliens a bunch of times. I, I only was... played uh, XCOM 1 a couple times, and I never spent enough time with it to get the base building down, so I always started to fall behind. Yeah. I've, I've played through XCOM 1 several times on multiple difficulties. I've never done an Iron Man run, um, but other than that, I've beaten the game on the the next highest, or like with all the other high difficulty stuff on, so it's fun. Fun times. All right, what's your next game? Okay, speaking of uh, fun times, uh, well, I went back and forth on this one uh, because there's two games that uh, could fit in this slot for me, but I went with Parkitect instead of Planet Coaster. Parkitect is essentially the more roller coaster tycoon of uh, the uh, well, well, both of them are roller coaster tycoon esque, but Parkitect is the more management based. Instead of Parkitect where you're building silly rods. And it's, like I said, it's uh, something that I went back and forth on on this one. Because I, both games look good. It's just, this one looks like it's more up my alley. Where it's more focused on the old style of Roller Coaster Tycoon. Right, yeah. That's one of the reasons that Parkitect is on my wish list And not Planet Coaster. Well, I have both of them on my wish list because uh, Planet Coaster is slowly adding more of the uh, management style stuff while Parkitect is adding more of the rad stuff. So it's more, you know, who is going to get the better uh, overall package? You know, where do they, from the their different starting areas? And also, I believe Parkitect is uh, lower spec uh, requirements. Yeah, it is. Uh, because Plant Coaster, they went very shoddy. And last I heard, it doesn't run particularly well. I, I could be wrong on that one, though. Uh, Planet Coaster is made by Frontier Development, right? So they make Elite Dangerous. Mm-hmm. So that's probably why it's shiny. Yeah, and this is an indie company that uh, hasn't made anything else. Well, I think this also has some of the team from the original uh, uh Roller Coaster Tycoon. I could be wrong on that, though. I haven't researched it nearly as much as I should have. Um, but essentially, the the uh, breakdown is Parkitect is like Roller Coaster 1 and 2, while Planet Coaster is uh, like Roller Coaster Tycoon 3. They have different focuses on each. Right. Okay. Cool. Uh, next game on my list is Project Cars. This is a third game that I'm 100% going to buy regardless of whatever the price is. Uh, and Project Cars is also on the multiplayer list. Uh, and it's going to be one of the top rated ones because I want a good car racing game on PC. Um, and yeah, I'm, this is likely not one I'm going to pick up because it looks like it's more on the simulation side of things. Yeah, it is. Although it's on your wish list. I probably just put it on there and forgot about it. Or, you know... One of those things that I picked up or you know, added and you know, forgot about. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but yeah, I definitely want a, a sim-style car racing game for PC. I mean, I've always played these games on console because, well, they're one of the only games that consoles can properly handle. But still, n- you know, I'm primarily a PC game player, and at this point it's time for me to, to step up. 
I want to get a racing wheel too, but those are a good one is pretty expensive. Uh, so maybe that purchase will be for another day. It's pretty. This game's been out for a while now. It's got a whole bunch of DLC for it, um, and it's the base game is only thirty bucks, and it's been on sale for. I want to say like 50-something percent in the past, 50 or 60 percent. Uh, lowest price, according to this, was uh, just under 10 bucks. Okay. So, yeah, it's it's had good sales before, so I'm expecting it to be on a pretty good sale this go-around, too. So, if, it's, if the sale is low enough, I might pick up the whole DLC thing. Because all of the DLC, there's a bunch of different packs. Um is only 50 bucks right now and hopefully all that will go on sale too but we'll see we'll see i might be spending a lot of money this time a lot more money than i usually do i average like 100 bucks a steam sale i might i might go way overboard this year because i have more uh more disposable income with my new job oh boy so uh gonna break the bank but yeah project cars looking forward to that and looking forward to playing that with all you lovely listeners out there all right, well, back to my turn. And this is not a game, but a set of games. <laughs> uh, Deponia, The Complete Journey. Uh, this is a, another game that's, or a game set that's been on my uh, wish list for quite a while. And this routinely goes very cheap. It's just, I never really uh, pulled the, uh, well, the trigger on it. It's uh, a German uh, humor and a uh, point and click adventure. And there's a, uh, it actually looks very funny. It's just like I said, I never uh, uh, picked it up because I just never. Uh, uh, it's been one of those games that's been kind of just on the very edge of things, really. Yeah, I like Deponia. I've played a couple of the Deponia, Deponia games because there's several of them, and I assume mm-hmm. the, the complete journey four. is yeah, uh, and the, the complete journey is the original trilogy. Yes, which Deponia have I played? Uh, just Deponia, so I assume that's the the first game. I quite enjoy it. It's it's a really good game with a good story. It's it's funny. It's well, I won't I won't say too much, but it's good. Yeah, I liked it. So yeah, and I've been wanting a a point a new point and click game and something that's not the Telltale style of point and click. Yeah, because honestly. I, it's kind of funny. Telltale is simultaneously saved and ruined the point-and-click genre. <laughs> yeah. Because originally, their games were very uh, heavily uh, inspired by uh, older point-and-click games, and they slowly moved more and more into more of a uh, third-person narrative, or I guess second-person narrative, actually, because you're kind of just looking uh, into the scene and controlling someone. Most of the time, at least. And... It's kind of a strange uh, crossover between how uh, they've uh, changed things. And you don't really see too many point and clicks that of high quality uh, like the Telltale used to do. Uh, point and click has turned into almost one of those uh, genres that has just been uh, thrown uh, to the indies that just you know, shit all over it. Because it's an easy uh, thing to do. You know? Yeah. I'm looking up. I'm currently looking up second-person point of view, see if I can figure out if, this, if it's a second-person game or not. This will probably. This is actually kind of complicated, and 
second person point of view is a little bit weird and since i'm not like a huge yeah. literature english person i would have to stop and take several minutes to read through this so i'll just skip over it for now and i'll come back and figure it out later uh my next game on my list if you are if you are done yeah i think i'm done there's not a lot to talk about on that one okay even, my... though, it, even though it is technically breaking the rules and it's three games instead of one <laughs> yeah yeah it's, but it's uh, but uh, but honestly it makes more sense to pick up the entire uh trilogy because it usually goes cheaper than the individual games yeah uh, so my next game is the first game on my list that I'm not sure if I'm going to buy or not, but it's really high on my list of my actually curated portion of my wish list. <coughs> Excuse me. And that game is Tyranny. Tyranny is an top-down isometric view, old-school RPG. And normally I don't care very much for this type of game. In fact, normally I despise this type yeah, of game. Yeah, who are you and what did you do with Jared? But the theme for this game is that you are one of the bad guys. And, I mean, you, it's after the bad guys have won. And you are one of, like, the top generals in the army of the bad guy. And you just get to play the worst person and just be evil. And typically whenever I play games, I play the good guy. Or, at the very least, like, neutral and just try and serve my own interests. But every once in a while, I get a mean streak. And this game is just, like, the embodiment of that. So I'm very much looking forward to just being the worst person ever. In other words, you're going to be like the Voltaire song uh, when you're evil. (laughs) Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, So... That that is uh, something kind of strange is how... uh, you don't really see a lot of games where you can be evil. Even games where you're supposed to be evil, like Overlord, for example, you're kind of a chaotic neutral. Yeah. And you're begrudgingly helping people. You're not evil. Uh, the only game I could really think of where you could really, really be evil was things like Black and White. Yeah. No, this game actively in, like encourages you to encourages you to be evil like all of your companions from like the stuff that i've read about it and things like they're different types of evil and instead of like them disliking you because you're you know good when they're evil or evil when they're good it's like are you evil enough are you doing the right kinds of evil like some of them like want you to constantly just murder people uh and they like it when you murder and other ones like it when you uh, manipulate and cheat your way and steal your way through things and other of them are are really happy like if you're like take slaves and steal a lot like it's they want you to be evil i don't even know if you can be good well what if i murder then steal their stuff yes and more anyway so yeah stuff want stuff yeah um, this game has been out for about a year, I think. Uh, I know it came out sometime last year, so I'm hoping for, for a decent sale. It's, as far as I know, it's not had a really good sale just because it's been less than a year old, and it was very well critically received, so it hasn't really needed to be cheap. But I'd probably pick it up, depending on how the rest of the games on the list go for, like, the multiplayer and all of that jazz. I'd probably pick this up for about 50% off. Uh, Let's see. Lowest sale price I'm seeing was 22 bucks. Okay, so it has been and 50% was, off before. That was the, during the last Steam Summer sale. Okay. So it has been 50% off before. So 
My wish may come true. I might get it even cheaper than that. Who knows? Gaben knows. Our Lord and Savior, Gaben. Lord and Saver. Super Saver. All right, so what's the last game on your list? Okay, the last game on my list it was one I just pretty much randomly grabbed. Of, huh, that looks interesting. And uh, I think you said about the same thing about it. <laughs> is mm-hmm. Stable Orbit. I have a lot of early access games on my list, don't I? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we both do. Uh, but Stable Orbit, is, well, like I just mentioned, is an early access title where you are managing... The International Space Station, essentially. <laughs> or, you know, an International Space Station. And trying to keep astronauts alive and build onto it. It seems like it's still fairly light in content. Uh, so, it's still very early, uh, hopefully very early in its uh, uh, early access phase. And, well, it's one to, that I'm going to keep an eye on, on. I'm not sure if I'm going to pick it up or not, but... It seems like I always have, like, a space game that I want to look at. I may pick it up and find, you know, a game-breaking bug where, oh, look, all the stations are dropping out of orbit. <laughs> yeah, that was Celestial Command last go-around. Yeah. I wonder if they ever fixed that. I don't know. It's been a while since I've played it. It's been about six months, so I should probably play it again. <laughs> uh, and I will say that this game does look very pretty, that they go... For a very nice art style. Uh, not quite realistic, but close enough to it. But then again, you know, a realistic space stuff isn't exactly uh, tough to make uh, geometrically. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of cylinders, a lot of uh, tubes, and some uh, antenna bits off the end. <laughs> it's a series of tubes. Oh my god, it's the internet. <laughs> okay. Yep, it it looks good. I, well, it looks pretty and it looks interesting. Good might be the wrong word to use, but yeah, it's but, it's in like the, I said that uh, it's off my. Uh, that's interesting uh, group. But the thing is also uh, let's see, this is pretty much all the developers made. They're part of the founders pack, which is uh, uh, Green Man Gaming's publishing early access. Uh, games and some of their stuff is not that great in that so yeah as a matter of fact this is the only game that is not just a random open world survival game yep cool well the last game on my list is Tom Clancy's The Division uh I love looter shooters and I love um this new-ish genre of like online MMO shooters and we have a couple of friends who play this game and it's been on my list for a while now it's been down to like 20 bucks a couple of times so I just the last time it went on sale I think I wanted to get it but for some reason I, I missed the sale or something and like and I didn't buy it so I as long as it's it is has a good sale this time, I mean, you know, you never know. But as long as it well, has a good sale this it, time, it's I'm, still full price as well. Yeah, it's still a fifty dollar game, but uh, I, I wholeheartedly intend to to buy this this go around, and I think I even put it on the multiplayer list. So, yeah, as long as the sale price is good, I'll definitely be picking it up. Yeah, I tried this, and 
it was okay. I had some performance issues with uh, all the fire areas, which unfortunately, because of the way the game is designed, you're forced to go through. Yeah. I mean, it was all right. It's not a game I would uh, rush out to get. Yeah, well, I mean, it's been out for a couple of years now, so <laughs> if you're picking it up, you're not rushing. Yeah. But. Well, uh, did, did they ever figure out who uh, created Dollar Flu? Because that, that <laughs> sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but um, so yeah, that's that's my my five games that I've kind of got the at the the highest on my, on my radar yeah, right now. Mine's more just, huh? Those are interesting. Yep. And next week, or maybe the next week, whenever we talk about all of the games that we bought on the Steam sale, none of these games are going to be on the list. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Or uh, maybe won't be like, yeah, I picked this up, ran like shit, and uh, was uh, shallow as hell, refunded. Yep. Or picked up stable orbit, the the station dropped out of fucking orbit. Orbit's not so stable, huh? <laughs> oh, I, I still can't believe Celestial Command did that to me. <laughs> yeah, it's still getting regular updates. The last update for Celestial Command was June 6th. Hmm. Wonder if they ever did fit, uh, fix the whole uh, dropping out orbit thing. Don't know. I'll have to check it out. Maybe this week. Maybe not. I don't know. I got a lot of games I need to check out, so we'll see. It's only ten bucks, so yeah. All uh, right. L- yeah, it looks like uh, still maybe an issue with some things. Yep. <laughs> uh. It- uh, well, there's uh, people complain about it, but then there's the dev saying, I'm not currently aware of uh, issues that causes a ship to drop out of stable orbit. <laughs> <laughs> Fancy. Well, we've been going for a while now. Do you need a break? Uh, Not particularly. Well, I'm low on water, but yeah. I could keep going if, uh, if you can. Oh, can I? Wink. All right, well, then let's go ahead and move on to our first news topic. And boy, did we go a lot longer than we estimated for for our games. Although, I'm not going to lie, I figured we would. Oh, my. But our first news topic, as soon as I scroll up to the topics list, it's way up there this week. (laughs) Uh, Take-Two Interactive issues a cease and desist against Grand Theft Auto V modding tool, Open... Four, is this open four or open IV? How do you open uh, open four? Okay, so uh, th- this was this was a, a mod tool originally designed for GTA four that uh, also worked with GTA five eventually. And actually, uh, um, uh, Max Payne uh, it also did uh, stuff for that as well. So this isn't just GTA five that they're shedding all, all over. It's GTA four and Max Payne. Okay, I did not realize that. I did some research on this topic. Yeah, I've read a couple of articles and just heard people talk about it in general. I did not do any hardcore research. I knew we would talk well, about it. Well, I well, I wanted to find out exactly what Open 4 was because uh, a lot of people were talking about how this body tool was being pulled down, but not really exactly what this was. And just how absolutely full of shit Take 2 is. <laughs> and turns out uh about a 50-pound bag stuffed into a 20-pound. That full. 
that's pretty full of shit. Yeah. Uh, their main argument about uh, taking down uh, this mod tool is to, well, protect their shark cards. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. Uh, their main argument was that it was being used to cheat online. Bullshit. Simple. Right. Because the mod tool itself actually disabled you from going online with it installed. Yep, I was aware of that fact. And honestly, looking at this and uh, thinking uh, back, all those of two weeks ago where Take-Two was talking about how they wanted to monetize their consumers more, I think we have the issue here. It was actually preventing people from going online. So people that were using these mod tools would have their online uh, experience completely disabled so they couldn't accidentally go online and get banned but it was preventing them from going online so there was no reason for them to buy these shitty shark cards so yeah can't have that I, I know I know I'm going conspiracy theorist on this but otherwise it makes absolutely no sense so, you know, I have to go way out there to try to make any heads or tails of this outside of the whole uh, random lawyer on their uh, team uh, gets a wild hair up his ass and uh, goes uh, uh, off the rails. But if that was the case, then Take-Two would have uh, repealed this uh, uh, takedown as the cease and desist. And they didn't. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure where to go from here. Yeah, it's kind of it's one of those weird things that what the hell? I, I even Rockstar's statement saying that it's wrong uh, that Take Two shouldn't be doing this, but uh, uh they have to you know, they have to back their uh, their publisher. Yeah, it, it, it it's one of those weird areas where. Wow. Well, also and that's this... why I'm going into kind of the weird territory of of almost conspiracy theorist, uh, trying to find some reason for this outside of just you know stupidity, but maybe that's the whole thing is that I shouldn't be uh, contributing this with malice when it, incompetence. Uh, is just as good an answer. Yeah. Well, the main reason that I'm... Like, we put that we would talk about this for a while, but once you actually start talking, I got to thinking, like, this is a big deal, but... Yeah, it's a big deal, but there's not a lot to talk about because... Yeah. uh, The the mod tool, Open 4, is gone. They don't have the money to uh, fight this. And they said that, that it makes no sense to fight this because they don't... They can't get a monetary gain out of it. it. It's just wasting their time to do it. So yeah. they shut up. Shop. They shut down. And uh, they're, uh, in the show notes, I'll have a link to a uh, copyright lawyer saying that uh, that Open 4 has every right to exist because mostly due to an implied license from uh, Take-Two allowing them to operate for so long. Yeah, I mean that's the you know, the twenty second gist of uh, you know a twenty minute art or twenty minute video, but 
Uh, that's the entire thing of it is that uh, this absolutely sucks for gamers and there's really nothing that can be done about it because, you know, it's a AAA company or AAA publisher just hammering away on a fan project. We've seen this time and time again. I mean, look at yeah, pretty much any... Well, I was going to go with Nintendo. Oh, yeah, no, Nintendo's the worst and then probably <laughs> Blizzard's the second worst. Yeah, I mean, literally any fan project, which I've realized... Fan project is not the same as a mod tool uh, used to uh, create uh, well mods for single player uh, games, but it's the same basic idea of these AAA companies not really understanding why people are buying their games and well just watching well it's a weird uh, area because we're seeing the player base for <laughs> GTA Five just skyrocket, but their reviews just plummet yeah i mean well there's a huge modding community for this game it's not anymore well no but i mean it was especially on the pc market like i mean that's again grand theft auto well perhaps not as big as uh the elder scrolls series or the fallout series is a game that has a all of these games have very long tails because of the active or the once active modding community I mean, so, this wasn't the only modding tool. This was only the most useful and the biggest. Yes. There are a couple smaller ones out there. And I'm not going to pretend that this has completely broken the back of the modding scene for GTA 5 and G. Well, GTA 4, it's, you're not going to see any updates. Most likely they'll break the mod tools that are out there for it. I mean, there's a chance that, you know, because this is Rockstar we're dealing with and they have gone back and absolutely broken uh, San Andreas uh, uh, save games uh, to put in a absolutely broken 20, uh, 1080p uh, iteration. Oh, and remove some copyright songs because, you know, record companies. So, yeah, I'm not saying that there's no chance that, you know, some update in the future won't break the uh, GTA 4 modding scene. But, you know, uh, it, it's just, what the hell? It seems less likely that that would happen, but not impossible. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, this sucks. This is terrible. I hate when shit like this happens. It's bad enough that devs, and we'll get to this next, I think, or in the yeah. next couple. It's bad enough yeah. that devs are going back and monetizing old games with microtransactions. But it's like killing the modding scene, which is one of the hearts of PC gaming. And and yes, no, this has not killed 100% the modders for GTA Five, And this is kind of a, I think, probably even for these guys, this is kind of like, well... We're going to retreat for now and we'll figure something else out and we'll move on to our next project. Because I don't see these guys like just giving up completely. I understand why they're not going to try and fight a legal battle. They'll just get bankrupt. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they won't uh, work on this project anymore. I, I expect the, the uh, tool makers will work on something completely different. And likely, if I was them, I would not touch another uh, Take-Two property. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I mean, how I pull... Uh, the last week or two has actually seen me pulling a lot of stuff off my wish list. Indeed, indeed. And Grand Theft Auto V was really high on the requests for people for for the multiplayer stuff. And I'm not going to say that it's not going to be on the list I mean, or you guys even high play on the list. I, won't. I, I pulled it off my wish list. But, I mean, you know, shit like this gives me pause. I I completely purged uh, my wish list of uh, Fallout 4, uh, which I realize is Bethesda, 
But yeah, it's the same. Uh, this uh, the last uh, I would say two weeks. Well, I made this comment before. It's on my AAA worst nightmares at once because we have the resurgence of pseudo paid mods, which I realize it's a, a DLC store being outsourced, but it's also Bethesda. So the the chances of that there those DLCs actually working when it's Bethesda QAing it zero because they can't get their first party stuff working correctly, let alone third party. We have Take-Two killing mods, and let's move right along, unless you have something else to say. Well, what about Bethesda's second party? Ah, you see what I did there? Uh, Sorry, I'll see myself out now. (laughs) Oh, carry on, carry on. And let's move right along to Topwire, or Topware, putting microtransactions in two worlds, too. Which, that is a very uh, clumsy title. Two, uh, can you mention Two Worlds 2 on the uh, Xbox X? <laughs> oh, that's that's terrible. That's just the worst. You're right. But anyway, uh, they did a engine update on uh, their game. And the big thing uh, out of it was that they disabled the console, all the console commands, and added microtransactions. <laughs> Seven years after that game came out. Yep. So, first of all, the Two Worlds series was never very good. The Two Worlds series, both, or were there three games in it? There's at least two. There might be three. Anyways. Uh, It depends on how you break it down, because Two Worlds 2 saw a pretty big expansion. And uh, they have given away Two Worlds, at at least Two Worlds 2, several times. Okay. but uh, Well, those games are, like, campy and bad, and stupid, and I really enjoy them for all of those reasons. (laughs) The original Two Worlds is probably one of the games that I would credit with me going, huh, this is really bad, but I really like it. So, it kind of breaks my heart to see this happen a lot more than it... Like, most people are like, this is stupid. Like, these guys are dumb, and they're... even. Even the devs were like, yeah, you know, we just did this yeah, because yeah. we thought we could get away with it. Uh, they, they, their justification was, well, the people on Xbox seemed to enjoy it. Yeah. So, uh, but it, it does break my heart a little bit because I actually really liked these games. One, probably one of the few people who did. Yeah, I think, I think you are the president of their fan club. Although, honestly, it's not like I was ever going to go back and play it again. But this is a symptom of a larger problem that's been going on for a while, and I'm sure we're going to start seeing more and more of this, is that microtransactions don't, shouldn't be in full-price retail games, and all these devs are, to use the term, seeing money left on the table, and going back to these older games that are still active, and adding microtransactions, and I think we're only going to see this get worse. Or, or, or even worse is... Uh, this is even uh, what I would usually consider even acceptable microtransactions. These are pay to cheat, and they remove the console that allowed these exact microtransactions to be done in the first place for free. Yeah. Oh, I just I just had a terrible thought. No. I had a terrible thought. And I'm going to share this. Of course, you are. Elder Scrolls Six. DLC store, they disable the console. 
DLC store, they disabled the console. Uh, the, 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 the DLC store, and they disabled the console, and they put in pay to cheat stuff. Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, I hope not. That's about all I can really say about that. And, and oh, and the fun part is that a lot of uh, people were complaining about the removing removing of the console commands out of Two Worlds Two. Mostly because the game is a buggy piece of shit, and you actually had to use some console commands to actually be able to finish the game. Can confirm, that is true. It's real bad. It's real bad, guys. I just happen to like it because of its badness. And also because, well, I'm weird. You have low, uh, uh, to- you have a uh, low tolerance of quality. I have a high tolerance for bullshit. Yeah, and I have a low tolerance for bullshit. <laughs> Indeed. And I have even a lower tolerance for corporate bullshit. My tolerance for that's not quite as high as just general bullshit. Anyways. Yeah, this is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I just, it's one of those things that I saw this article originally uh, circling around and it's and I thought, huh, that's a weird time to release an April Fool's article. <laughs> and then I clicked on it, read it, and looked at the screenshots. Thought, wow, uh, they didn't even put any effort into this for the April Fool's article. Those screenshots suck. Those are real screenshots. It's that terrible. <laughs> yep. It yes, wasn't it there one. Uh, I, I wasn't able to find the uh, screenshot of it but, uh, to read the actual text, but essentially mocking you for buying it. Uh, um, just a pure money uh, cheat, essentially. Uh, I, I heard some people that. talking about that, uh, but I was never able to find the text of it, and I couldn't be bothered to install this game to uh, check it, because I do have it where they gave it away at one point. Jim, I think it's actually in... Jim Sterling's video he did about this because he showed a bunch of the screenshots and was like making fun of the fact that it was making fun of you and that's where I got like yeah they just figured they could get away with it because that's one of his comments it's like they're just being so crass about this like they don't give a shit they figure they're going to get away with it so why not fuck with you yeah maybe this is why I didn't uh, enjoy the Devolver digital uh, stuff nearly as much as I should have because I already feel this way (laughs) that they were talking about and looking at some of the stuff, it's like, wow, I, they're not even uh, extreme compared to the industry anymore. Perhaps so. Perhaps so. Just wait till we uh, get the early ac- earliest access games. Oh, wait, too late. Yeah. I mean, I think you had one earlier. I, ha- I was going to say I had <laughs> one of those. I had one of the earliest access games. Oh, yeah, maybe that's uh, that's why we uh, well, at least I can uh, enjoy it as much because you know, I'm already seeing this. <laughs> You're telling me jokes I already know the punchline to. <laughs> yeah, and it's they're not funny jokes. Anyways, all right. Well, let's move on to our next topic, which is kind of an article, but also kind of a general topic. Uh, your target audience does not exist. So this is an article about uh, how that basically. Gaming audiences are and are becoming more and more niche and what demographics actually look like now that we have better tracking 
technology and algorithms and all of that jazz. Um, so the uh, the gist of it is a, a lot of YouTubers and advertisers and, and all of this stuff try to hit the largest possible audience or demographic when really they should be focusing down because the audiences that you think exist are actually truly a lot smaller and more disparate. Yeah, Just I found this extremely interesting, particularly uh, some of the uh, games that they uh, highlighted. Uh, for example, Rocket League. That they took a look at the uh, number of games that uh, that these different people own, or that uh, that focus on. Uh, well, they, and they focused on particular games. For example, the average Rocket League player has seventy-eight games in the library. Meanwhile, Dota 2, 12. Yeah. I mean, that that just sounds so foreign, doesn't it? It does. Only having 12 games. Uh, a matter of fact, uh, hang on. Uh, the In order to be in the top 1%, you only had to have... Uh, hang on, where is the number on this? Because... In fact, uh, the 1% of Steam gamers own 33% of all copies of games on Steam. 20% of Steam gamers own 88% of games. That's absurd, isn't it? Yeah. So, let's see. I to be know. a member of the 1% group of the Steam games, of Steam gamers, you have to own... Actually, do you want to guess how many games you must own to be in the top 1% group? Uh, did you read that in the article? No, I missed that or I forgot about it because I read this the other day. Well, it, it is an extremely high number. Uh, I don't know, 1,500? 107. Really? Wow, so you're like point, <laughs> point zero. I'm, I'm a one percenter and you're a point zero one percenter. I blame review copies. Yeah. But... What this is really talking about is uh, where game companies are looking at. Okay, well, well my my big uh, uh, example for this will likely be the WoW killer. Remember years and years and years ago when WoW was a big thing. I, I realize it still is kind of, but when it was a really really big thing, and you kept seeing all these MMOs pop up being the next WoW killer because we're going to be like WoW. But they failed to realize one key thing is that there is a time investment in these games and people that spent hours and days and years in these games do not want to jump ship because of that time investment and that their friends are already playing those games. The sunk cost fallacy. Yeah. But, well, and for something like an MMO, I'm not sure if you would really call it a fallacy because you're... uh, it takes a long, long, long time to get anywhere in those games. Yeah, well, I mean, it's still the sunk yeah. cost fallacy, but I mean, they prey on that. Those games prey on that. Like, if they can get you hooked and get you playing long enough, you're less likely to leave because you're invested and you don't want to leave it because, oh, I'll, I'll lose everything. Mm-hmm. But really, you're... and I mean, if you love the game, then keep playing it. But really, you're missing out on things that you're not doing because you're sticking to this one thing that you don't enjoy as much as you used to, but you don't want to leave it because you have so much invested. Yeah, true. That that's the sunk cost fallacy. 
And I definitely felt that uh, when I was playing WoW towards the end, just because you know, I was with a group, I was with my guild uh, raiding until uh, raiding no longer became fun for me. Yep. The only game I've ever struggled with that with is EVE Online. EVE Online every once in a while drags, drags me back in because of that. Oh, you have no problem uh, quitting EVE. You've done it several times. Yeah, I've quit EVE several times, guys. I can do it whenever <laughs> I want to. <laughs> Uh, but uh, the the WoW Killer is probably the big example I can think of just off the top of my head of uh, these games are building around an audience that just does not exist because you you don't see a, a former WoW player that wants to play a WoW-like game that isn't playing WoW or at least often enough to build a new audience off of. Well, they talked about how the individual game distributions between these games, Torchlight 2 owners own 117 games on average. Counter-Strike Global Offensive owners, 40 games. Rocket League, 78. Dota 2, 12. Which, Dota 2 may be a bad example because it is a free-to-play game, and it is the only free-to-play game on this list, or on these graphs I can see. But that's also people that are getting in just to play Dota 2 and don't care about anything else and I've seen so many accounts like that yeah and uh, it made me really think of the different uh, types of gamers and I could really think of uh, well really three you see uh, I guess Monochromatic would be a good example or a good name for it where it's someone that focuses on just a single game yep that would be yeah, my mom. Uh, the, yeah, the Dota 2 player, the WoW player, or the Rocket League player. Uh, then you have those uh, the nomadic group where it's the people that are in a particular genre, but it hasn't been established well enough. Uh, the open world survival genre is probably the best example of this right now where uh, we may be seeing the establishment of it now with PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, but before that... You kept seeing things like Rust pop-up, Stopping Lands, uh, Conan uh, uh, Exiles. And you kept seeing these uh, same, essentially uh, the same uh, games pop up time and time again with a slightly different skin. Maybe dinosaurs, maybe not. Maybe uh, zombies, maybe not. But when you get down to it, they're essentially the same game or the same skeleton of the game. And these groups kept going between the different games, trying to find you know, a game that will actually stick. And then there's gamers like us, which I'm going to call the buffet gamer. Not because we're <laughs> fat asses. Well, okay, maybe that as well. Not just we, because of that. But we take a little bit of everything. And uh, we'll go between different games, but not stick to one long enough to you know, become experts at it. Well, unless it's E for you for some reason. <laughs> now, there's other games too, though. I mean, Factorio, Transport Fever. Um, I'm working on that for Starpoint Gemini Warlords. But yes, I think that that's well, maybe I, RimWorld for me. But the thing, well, for me, uh, my hours are hidden because it's on a non-Steam copy. <laughs> yeah, KSP as well. Not so much anymore, but. I mean, that yeah, is a game that but, I've got over 500 hours but, in. Yeah, but like I said, uh, you you won't stick to it, though. You'll play for it a while and then uh, wander off and uh, try something else. And it makes me wonder uh, if we're going to see uh, 
a, a, a big change in how games are marketed in the upcoming years. Because right now we are seeing these uh, kind of targeted uh, by genres where uh, the uh, they keep trying the sports genre, for example. You know, uh, uh, EA was very bad about this during E3 where they kept talking about sports as a more blob nebulous thing instead of okay here's your football game here's your other football game oh sorry american uh here, here. actually they didn't do baseball now that i think about it no i don't think so i was about to say here's your baseball game but then i realized they didn't even talk about baseball they, they talk that that's just that I, it kind of dawned on me huh uh, but uh your uh motorsports games that sort of thing and they expect that to be all one crowd when it's really individual crowds. Yes. Although there is overlap between those crowds. I think if you're if you own or play a sports game, your chances of having another sports game are higher, but it's not guaranteed. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that's the big problem that they make because instead of saying, "Well, they're more likely to," they say they will. But that's not how that works. Well, uh, they bring up uh, in this article things like the MOBA crowd. There's no such thing as the MOBA crowd. There is the Dota players. There's the League players. Uh, there's the Heroes of New Earth players. Yeah. I don't and know a single get... person who plays MOBAs that goes back and forth, like, regularly. Like, they might, you yeah, know. They'll, they'll try one, maybe try another. Yeah. But uh, if, if you stick to one, you're done. Because those... Uh, skills do not transfer nearly as well as you may think. Yes, it is essentially the same game, but there's nuances. The, the different heroes having to learn a set of a hundred heroes or champions or whatever that particular game calls them. You're not going to do that for more than one game. You yeah. may see people that play League play another MOBA style game that's a little bit softer. Uh, play something uh, like uh, uh, shoot now uh, uh, Clash of Clans uh, that's a very popular one uh, that's very easy to pick up but it's also not nearly as in depth you may see them uh, play a mobile light game yeah, something like Awesome Knots but you won't see a league a heavy league player also playing Dota yeah Typically not. I mean, you know, there's exceptions, but typically not. And that's where this whole idea of your toddy audience doesn't exist come from. Where you shouldn't be talking about mobile audiences, you should be talking about Dota audience. You shouldn't be talking about uh, core gamers, you should be talking about your FPS gamer uh, FPS is probably a better example of a game of a game genre that sees a lot of tr a crossover. Until you start getting into the competitive side of things, then things start to really buckle down. Yeah, uh, this was a very interesting article. I really liked this. Uh, it, it really broke down. I, I didn't realize just I, I, well, I realized just how tight uh, Dota Two and I would imagine Team Fortress Two is probably the same. But things like Rocket League, I wasn't expecting. Or even Torchlight 2. Yeah. Yeah, and I kind of extrapolated it even further. Like, I was talking about YouTube stuff first, and that doesn't really come up in this article, but, I mean, like, it, that applies there. And I've had those thoughts and conversations and studied that sort of thing. I mean, this 
doesn't surprise me, but uh, as a a therapist, I've had to study sociology and in grouping and things like that. So, like just seeing it, I'm like, oh, yep, yep, get it, totally get it. I'm kind of inoculated from that because you and I are are the personally because we just like go for games. We just play mm-hmm. games. Um, get games, want games. Yeah, and we play all kinds of games, and we've got things that we prefer and things that we'd rather not play usually, but in general, mm-hmm. we're like, we'll play anything. So, Yeah, that's where I came up with the term buffet. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really good. That was a really good, uh, really good one. Yeah, and uh, and it does cross over to other things. Well, you, were, you brought up YouTube where... Uh, uh, where my uh, viewers for RimWorld won't watch, uh, m- well, mostly uh, things like Divinity Original Sin. Those are two very different games. Yeah. There are very few channels on YouTube where I will watch everything that the channel puts out. I mean, there's a few that they only do one thing or maybe mm-hmm. two things, and I like both of those things. But in general, I don't watch everything that every YouTube channel puts out. Oh, good luck if you try to do it with Bon. Mostly because you'd get sick of me. <laughs> I mean, I don't get sick of you now. I spend a lot of time with you every week, on average. Poor Jared. Yeah, it's fine. So, yeah. Um, let us move on to our final topic. A bit of a palate cleanse. Although, this was a pretty good palate cleanse, I feel like. Um, but we expected a lot more, I think, vitriol for our previous two news topics than we did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but for our final topic this oh, week... Oh, trust me, the hate is there for Take-Two. It's just, uh, it's more of dumbasses. Right. But yes. And removing things from my wish list. Sad day. Hey, look at it this way. They're saving me money uh, to uh, go buy indie games. Uh, it, the way the AAA, uh, uh, AAA and some AA uh, companies are going... Uh, I may as well just buy a beret and a turtleneck and be an indie tart at this rate. <laughs> be a hipster. Get some plaid, horn rim glasses. Mm, yes, yeah, so I only buy indie games because the small developers and things. I think we may have... Uh, uh, hang on, let, let me uh, hunt down... Uh, 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 continue talking because I think I might have my... Uh, thing i'm gonna put for the twitter this week okay <laughs> uh i don't know what to keep talking about because i was about to move on to the next news topic but i feel like you're gonna interrupt so maybe we shouldn't start talking about nintendo oh, oh you just want to have a big silence here yeah i'll cut it out okay oh i found it uh courtesy of edmund mcmillan so you know where this is going <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> that's cute you will have to put that in the show notes <laughs> uh, I think that's going to be the Twitter for this week fair enough anyways let's move on to our final news topic of the week Nintendo we reject politics fans should just have fun with our games so some SJWs probably have got yeah, their panties I, well, in a wad. Probably it is. Uh, well, I joked about this uh, during the E3 conference, uh, calling pr- uh, cultural appropriation. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yes. 
Uh, there are some people making a big hubbub about the fact that Mario in the new, what's it called, Mario Odyssey, or o- Mario Odyssey, uh, is wearing a sombrero and playing a uh, classically inspired Mexican tune. Uh, and he's wearing a poncho. Don't forget to pat the poncho. And a poncho. Um, and so there's a whole bunch of people making a big hubbub about it being cultural appropriation and racist and. All of this other stuff. And, and build that solar wall? Yeah, build that solar wall. Let's not start on that again. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, for those who uh, don't know, uh, uh, well, uh, well, don't know because you aren't at the pregame, uh, got distracted, uh, saw something on my Twitter feed, and just maybe sit there and just stare. That, that, yeah, just that black hole of intelligence. Just, ugh. Yeah. But so anyways, Reggie states that making political statements are for other people to do, like us. We want people to smile and have fun when they play our games. And you know what? I completely agree with them in this case. Like, games absolutely can be and can make political statements. Yeah, Mario is not one of them. Mario, Yeah, Mario is not one of them. Uh, And And I would say most Nintendo. I I was about to say most Nintendo games don't do that. I mean, granted, you may get some weird ones like Metroid the Other M, but that sucked. Yeah, that was a terrible game. (laughs) Uh, Nintendo's just, I mean, they're bad at it, probably because they don't ever do it. But, you know, things like this are just like, why? Why do you care? Well, 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 here's what it is. It's not. You can't even say that this is uh, Mexican people being upset that Mario is appropriating their culture. This is typically white, either uh, guys or girls, uh, typically women, though, being offended on other people's behalf yeah. and trying to get games to be changed. Yep. Well, first of all, are we even sure this is Mario? I mean, this could be a Mexican possessing Mario because we have established that Hats in the Mario universe now contain souls and can possess other people. So that may not even be Mario. That may be Jose. It may be Jose. Mario <laughs> may be possessing the little skull man uh, who's there, obviously, to represent El Dia de Muerto, the Day of the Dead. I know, I know a little bit about other cultures. I took a high school Spanish class and had to do a project where I made a skull man out of sugar. Well, I saw the Kerbal Space Program uh, Day of the Dead video once. Yeah, but uh, this is just Nintendo is Nintendo and they Nintendo things a lot, but sometimes they get stuff right. And this is one of those things. It's like, I'm sure Reggie just wanted to be like, look, dude, it's Mario. Why the fuck do you care about this? He's silly and he's fun and we're not even sure he's human anymore. (laughs) So just relax, dude, and enjoy the game. I'm sure that's what Reggie wanted to say, but because he was being, you know, putting forward his, his nice face on, he was like, well, we don't want to, we just don't do political statements. And I'm right there with you this time, Reggie. Right there with you. Yeah, this was more just put on here just to laugh and shake our heads at because, yeah. Yep. And really, you're, you're going to complain about Mario. Uh, well, to be fair, they also uh, complain often about Mario saving the princess. But isn't that the reason of her entire existence? The, the fact that any time uh, Princess Peach is uh, at all competent to do anything, 
just seems odd at this point. Yeah. I love how that they replaced her in that Mario plus Rabbids with a rabbit dressed as Princess Peach. <laughs> I love Yeah, for that. most of it. She does show up uh, the real Princess Peach. Yeah. But I did I thought that was that was great. Have you seen and I haven't been able to find this. I've only seen it on uh this week's Jim Quisition, but have you seen the the Peach Rabbit porn? Oh dear God, no. <laughs> I don't. I, I still have not been able to find it anywhere. I've looked for it, so I might just like later link you to the exact time that it pops up in this week's Gymquisition, so that you can see it. Unless you don't want to look, I can't make you quick links. But I'll have I'm to, not going to look. I'll have to look for that. Well, you found your new fetish for at least the next uh, thirty seconds it's, until you find your next one. It's odd, let's say, but. We don't can, say. <laughs> we can move on. Uh, do you need a break? Uh, not really. Okay, I'm. Are still... we just? Uh, are we uh, not even riding the elevator this week? We might not. I'm still doing okay myself. So let's. <laughs> what? I'm just watching you click, 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 click on the show notes. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, just... it's like you can't find what you're trying to click on. <laughs> I'm just fidgeting. I'm just and you can't even spin. Go. No, I can't do that. And I don't have my spinner either, my fidget spinner. It's uh in my... Maybe maybe I should get one. Not because I want one, but so everybody could shut the fuck up about it. And usually whenever I get something, the fad is long over. I think that the fad might be finally ending. My kids are... Uh, no, some of the kids uh, that I see are becoming more like, yeah, fidget spinners, whatever. It's like, fuck no, you kids. Uh, all right, folks. It's time to move on to our community corner. Uh, all of that's going to be cut out and either be Franken content. At least some of it's going to wind up in the outtakes. You should really listen after the uh, the end song this week. Just just trust me; it's great. Yeah, just uh, listen to Jared just cackle away. We're not going to spoil it. Just go listen. All right. I blame myself. We have one text letter this week, unless something hey, else has just come in. We, me... we actually have a letter. Now, that's did. more important. This letter comes to us from Jimmy Jam, uh, who actually went, uh, also known as Jim3535, who also went to E3. Yeah, uh, I wonder how much concrete he got, because uh, whenever you get into a large crowd like that, it, there's a high chance of just feeling like shit afterwards. You know, all the uh, various germs and mutations of uh, diseases. Yeah. Apparently he's been before. I didn't realize that. Uh, I don't know if he's ever said publicly, but I know that he works for a tech company, and I won't say anything else. I don't know if he's got any, like, employment stuff to keep secret, so I won't say yeah, specifically. And he did but... also send us uh, pictures of E3, which I have retweeted uh, yeah. ages ago when they originally came out, and they were more relevant. They yeah. actually had a ball pit. Did they? Yeah. Well, alrighty then. But he has been to E3 before, but he went this year, I think, just as like a general person of the public as opposed to going with his company. So, um, I don't know. I guess he's got both perspectives. But anyways, well, I'll start and just read through and we can stop wherever right. you want. Uh, this year's E3 was lacking in really exciting news or demos despite the new Expo- Xbox and new games. There wasn't really anything epic there. 
Actually, being at the show was a totally different experience than watching online coverage. Online, you could see all of the keynotes and get way more news. You can't see any keynotes unless you're press, and those are held off-site most or held off-site. However, you get to see some of the presentation in booths. This is usually either a video, live gameplay, or a combination of both. Booths often have game station setups where you can play the game before they are released. You read a couple of lines, please. I need to take a, a drink of water. Okay. Uh, the major booths usually have really long lines to see the demos or play the games. It's often one to three hours just to get the more popular ones. At many booths, the press also gets to cut in line. Uh, they have a fast pass, which is true. And matter of fact, uh, there was, uh, a, 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 I think Jim talked about uh, going to try to look at VR and they were allowing the press to cut in line so much that it just took all day to get through. Yeah, I think you talked about that on Friday. Yeah. Last Friday or Friday before last, something like that. Yeah, let's see. They You used to be able to get swag at the end of the presentation or demo, usually a promotional trinkets or junk, or with the occasional t-shirt. This year, there's been hardly any swag, possibly due to the public being allowed in. Yeah, that's probably the, the, it. The filthy masses. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, these companies aren't going to spend... I mean, they spend a shit ton of money on this, but they're not going to spend an infinite amount of money because everybody's going to come up and say, oh, I want your shirt or the pin or whatever it is that you have, and then they'll get pissed if they don't have it. So it's just the easier not to have swag. Don't forget I, the bobbleheads. Yeah. Or the Funko Pops or whatever it is nowadays. Yeah, I've been to... I've never been to, like, E3 or any sort of games convention, but for various jobs I've had in the past, I've been to other conventions. And even as a therapist, I've been to a couple... Uh, and you can get some pretty decent swag at these sort of industry-only events, but... Must be hell to take back all the sample couches from the therapist one. Oh, man, I wish I got sample couches. No, the last therapy convention that I went to, uh, I got a lot of pens. So, like, I, ne- I haven't bought pens or pencils in years. I get... I've got so many from these conventions I've been to. Uh, a couple of backpacks, actually. Some nice backpacks. Um, I got socks once. I really like socks. I'm a big socks person. I have lots of like novelty socks, so I was excited to get socks. Uh, at the last psychology con- uh, convention I went to, there was one booth that was just giving people food. That was nice. That booth was always full. <laughs> and that was your favorite. I stopped by there several times. Like that was, but that was their gimmick. Like they were representing a company that you could um use their service to like keep track of therapy notes and stuff like that and they just had food it was like just come get food and talk to us about our service they had good food too it was like chicken sandwiches and burgers and like it was different every day yep i was there with uh uh, my clinic so i didn't have any purchasing power or anything i just went by every day like oh yes hmm i'm definitely interested in your software and we used a completely different software and had no interest in changing <laughs> but it was the, the it was the best place to get food in the middle of the day anyways i'm way off topic at this point which is definitely not new for us but we should get back on track what was the last line well, at least it's not the strangest off topic we've had at least today <laughs> yeah uh a hidden benefit of being on the show floor Seems to be overlooked by most people. It turns out that a lot of times the demo stations and booths are manned by the actual game devs. One of my favorite things is getting a chance to talk to them. 
How often do you get to offer feedback face-to-face with the actual developers? Very rarely. Yeah, uh, particularly I would imagine the indie devs are the ones that, you know, you won't see just, you know, like, oh, here's random gra- graphic artists. No, instead it'll be, okay, I'm the graphic artist, I do the programming, and I did some of the music. <laughs> yeah, I've heard TB and others on gaming podcasts who go to these shows talk about going up to the indie booths or the indie sections. They're usually a lot more empty, and, like, the devs just want you to come play their games and talk to them. I would love to do that. Maybe I should get that turtleneck and beret. <laughs> but not the glasses. I don't wear glasses. I should Yet. go. There's actually a couple of decent-sized gaming conventions in both Nashville. Well, in, in all three, Nashville, Knoxville, and Chattanooga. All of the – well, Nashville's like a three-hour drive. But Knoxville and Chattanooga are both about an hour away from me. I should go to some. Well, if you do that, be sure to print business cards for the VGL podcast. I will. I will. As a matter of fact, that may be our, uh, something that we need to do with the Patreon money that we have. Business cards, uh, send Jared to <laughs> a convention. Yeah. I'm now doing a Google search. Carry on. Okay. Oh, oh you want me to just read instead? We've already been carrying on. hey uh, There are a lot of smaller groups that have some interesting stuff that most people overlook. This year, the uh, the immersive tech area had a bunch of small booths with various VR and other demos. Oh, here we go. <laughs> One had a grid of ultrasonic speakers that could uh, create haptic feedback uh, a foot or so above it. Well, that that sounds really interesting. <laughs> you you could uh, pass your hand through it and feel the shape of virtual objects. The tent with uh, free beer across the street is always a great place to visit. Not many people seem to notice. Since it's a low-key area and in a parking lot. With the general public being let in, it's a definitely noticeable. Not a lot of swag, but the parking it was really bad and swamped with people. The line for Fallout VR was four to five hours when I checked, and the show was closing in five hours at that time. There was also a demographic change with a lot of uh, sweaty gamers with yellow badges. General public. Hey, wait a minute. I'm a sweaty gamer. I, well, granted, I don't have a yellow badge, but still. <laughs> and that's the end of the letter uh, yeah it does sound like uh, E3 has seen a change even uh, the online coverage was a lot more subdued uh, but we talked about that last week where it, uh, a lot of the game focus was on games that was you know, actually had a chance to come out because in the past years there's been several games that even had a large presentation that was completely canceled or delayed years and years and years. Yeah. I, I could only think of a handful of games that was uh, teased uh, majorly that are years out, like uh, Beyond Good and Evil 2 is a good example. Skull and Bunch from Ubisoft. Yeah, I don't think they really teased anything that was uh, several years out. Microsoft, uh, only thing I can think of offhand would be maybe Sea of Thieves? I, did that get a release date this year? Uh, I thought it got a 2018 release date, but maybe it was like yeah, just I'm like just 2018. Uh, yeah, 2018. So yeah, th- that probably counts because uh, if they're saying 2018, I would say late to, or mid to late 2018. But yeah, yeah it, I'm uh, yeah just a few games so it's definitely they're focusing more on the now instead of the distant future and maybe that's 
part of the reason is that they're trying to have more playable stuff for the general audience. Yeah. I should stop looking up con stuff. <laughs> I'll do that later to you. Better than what you were looking at before. <laughs> <laughs> the next con Nuga is in uh, February yeah, of next I year. I should probably check for cons in my area, but I have a feeling they're going to be small or non-existent. And I think it's going to be the latter, not the former. Okay, so tweets. Uh, for uh, the last couple of weeks, not a lot of activity on the, on the Twitter. Uh, mostly because it's been focused on our personal Twitters, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jim, uh, I mentioned it before, had a lot of E3 pictures, which I retweeted. Uh, Chemist, uh, I've been summoned, I think. Didn't quite to cat, uh, catch that. It rewind is wonky on very long episodes. No, Chemist, you've been sent. Groove will be around with the crate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just uh, ignore the smell. And Kyle, opinions on playing uh, some Planetary Annihilation Titans for Friday night streams? Uh, Planetary Annihilations is another game that... Uh, or Uber uh, is kind of on my shit list as well for how they've treated Monday Night Combat. And how they treated Planetary Annihilation. <laughs> yeah, I responded to him that we'll, that we'll play it Friday. If there are enough people that have it. Well, I only have the first one and I have no interest in getting the second one. And yeah. I've never even touched the first one uh, outside of just owling out the game, uh, owling out cards that may be there. And that is it for the tweets. Question of the week. We had two and only one with answers. Uh, what are your thoughts on take two saying it's under my, uh, monetizing users? I don't think we've covered this. Uh, I, 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 for some reason, this feels familiar though. So maybe we did and I missed a question of the week, but eh, just to play it safe. Uh, Jim, this is almost uh, all companies how almost all companies operate. Usually, they try to spin it around uh, to sound appealing or businesslike. The issue he, the issue here is that they're using techniques borrowed from free to play games and casinos to exploit their user base and maximize profits in a, an unethical way. And Kyle, fucking bullshit, yo. <laughs> Very eloquent. Extremely. Let's see. The other question of the week was. What game announced at this year's E3 are you most looking forward to playing? And uh, crickets. I guess the hype is dead. Thank God we killed the hype. <laughs> Maybe now we can get back to intelligent game design. <laughs> just going to mute all of that. <laughs> that would be mean. I wouldn't do that. Uh, personally, I don't blame you if you meet me most of the time, but that is our community corner. If you wish to email us like Jim did, you could email us at bglpodcast at gmail.com or tweet us bglpodcast on Twitter. And the question of the week does appear there Fridays, usually sometime in the evening. Uh, it's just a little bit random just to throw Jared off and annoy him ever so slightly. Every once in a while. Indeed. So, let us move on to our Steam Discovery Queues. Uh, Rage, do you want to say it or do you want me to say it? Uh, cue the music. That works. Alrighty, let's see what we get this week. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting week because it's the last week before uh, the big summer sale. And I get an anime fighting game <laughs> immediately. <laughs> 
not too shabby, I don't think. Valkyrie Drive. I think I've seen that game before. Uh, it's not on your wish list. Maybe I haven't seen it before. There's quite a few uh, uh, anime fighting to, games. Yeah, th- there, that's also becoming an emerging genre is just anime uh, uh, fighting game uh, cute girls in very short uh, or non-existent uh, skirts. The best kind of skirts. Non-existent ones. But yeah, Valkyrie Drive. It, I, I played a few of these uh, type of games uh, mostly due to review copies and uh, if you're looking for a, a hack and slash game they're usually not terrible it's just you know if you're averse to anime titties well you're not going to uh, enjoy this well this is it does look like that they uh, it, the, I am getting a censorship watch from one of my curators saying that uh, to make it a little bit more palatable for the Western audiences, they removed all the age uh, uh, ages from all the character profiles, so that you know, you're not sure what age the characters are anymore. Because that makes it all the better. Yeah. Okay. So this is. Mm, I don't like the look of this game, but because of oh, and I didn't say uh, it. Uh, Gave me that for really no good reason. <laughs> right. Okay, so this is Serious Sam's Bogus Detour. Oh, yeah, that was showed in the Developer Digital, and I wasn't sure if that was a real game or not. The, yeah, the Developer Digital. Yep, it's Sh- a show. real it's a real game. Uh, it says it's excluded from Steam's Family Sharing Service. That's a big thing right there at the top. Uh, it says the game's relevant to me because I've played games tagged as indie and action. But, yeah, I don't... I don't... I don't know. Just the fact that it's a Devolver game right after that. <laughs> at first, know, sometimes it can be very amusing. It's just it, that wasn't one of their times. At first, I was like, there's a new... Se- I mean, I guess this is a serious Sam game, uh, th- th- right? This was, suppo- this was supposedly one of the projects that uh, Serious Sam ages and ages ago was having a big indie thing where they licensed out the Serious Sam uh, license to... Uh, three indie developers, and this was the third uh, game that was supposed to be part of that that never appeared until now. I see. Well, I just got Valkyria Drive on my list, so I guess I'd never seen it before. <laughs> and was just okay, thinking Well, another. I just got... Well, my second game uh, uh, is also an interesting one. Cold Waters. Uh, after you uh, see all the anime boobies, you're going to need a cold shower. So, uh, Cold Waters, the spiritual successor, successor to Microprose's classic Red Storm Rising. I think Cold Waters is on my wish list. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is already. A real-time naval combat uh, with over 40 classes of ships and submarines all meticulously researched. I mean, I don't think that there really needs to be a lot said about this. I mean, it's a ship uh, a combat uh, a simulation. And I... Did it used to enjoy the game Silent Steel? And yes, I realize that this isn't just submarines, but eh, it looks interesting. So I'll put it on the wish list. Hmm. You know, if we had started doing this several months ago when I wasn't quite as big into visual novels as I was, there would be a lot of visual novels on this list, but they've just become so run of the mill to me. 
Because I just well, went past bypass two that didn't look interesting in any way. But well, the problem is that uh, visual novels has kind of become a, a dumping ground. I mean, there are good visual novels out there, but at the same time, they're just being buried under really lackluster stuff. Yeah. And it's a shame because I do like the visual novel genre. It's just it's becoming harder and harder to find the good stuff. Yeah. Okay. I just got Total Warhammer 2. I'm sorry. Total War Warhammer 2. Still not named Total Warhammer. It's just a complete uh, waste. I mean, if... I haven't played the first one yet, so I'm not going to put it on the list, but... Hmm. What is this? <laughs> oh, this looks so bad. It's called Badass, but the picture of it makes... That sounds familiar. I think I have a review copy of that. that I mean, I've signed up for it. It's Girls in Bikinis, whatever this is. It's a JRPG mm-hmm. about girls in bikinis. Anyways, the cover picture looks like it says boobass because of the way that the girl is framed in the cover. This doesn't look good, but it made me chuckle. Uh, it's a oh, it's an RPG maker, uh, uh, visual novel essentially. Yeah, doesn't look how good. Is, but... How does that count as being clothed? Because I'm done with my cue, so I went to look at this again. I'm pretty sure that uh, the main character is naked. Well, I mean, naked is the best kind of clothed. Yeah, but I would prefer at least decent, uh, decently drawn. <laughs> Fair enough. I've only got a couple of games left in my clue. Or clue. <laughs> uh, so you have a raging clue right now. Got it. Yeah, I do. Oh, Assassin's Creed Origins. Yeah. Skip. <laughs> I kind of want to do a second one just because I got a lot of crap. I mean, you could if you wanted to. We're okay on time. Bonus cue? Sure. I just finished my clue. Or I said it again. My clue. My cue. My last game is Immortal Redneck. Uh, that actually is not a terrible... Uh... A uh, roguelike game. It looks alright. But... It reminds. Well, uh, uh, immediately starting my uh, queue, I got a good one. What'd you get? Or my, my secondary queue. Alien Swarm Reactive Drop. This is something I want to play for uh, the uh, uh, for Friday at some point. Free to play. Uh, it's a essentially a remake of the old Alien Swarm game. Okay. And it, it, it boasts up to four players, I believe. Fancy. Oh, sorry. Tactical co-op with up to eight players with a top-down perspective. So, right off the bat, uh, good thanks. Indeed. I'm not having such luck with the first couple of games in my queue. Oh, and I didn't even mention uh, Alien Drop. Uh, it... Just three friends have played it in a couple tags. Multiplayer, co-op, action, and free-to-play. Hmm. Maybe it's not a bad idea that we had a secondary queue, huh? Yeah. This looks odd. Raise the Dead. Raise the Dead is a zombie experimental game. Perform research and experiments on zombies, craft potions, grow various plants, and upgrade your equipment. Your ultimate goal is to find a cure for the zombie outbreak. And it's got a very cutesy... Uh, what is the... Uh, the game where it's like something farmer and you're like farming the cute little 
Slime Farmer? Yeah, slime, slime Rancher. That's it. This looks like that, except with zombies and tomatoes. Huh. <laughs> it looks cute. I'm going to put it on the list as a good one. Well, I found one that's on your wish list. What is it? Bio Inc. Redemption. I don't I don't remember what that game is, so I'll have to go well, look at I just, it. I'll just uh, drop the link into here. Bio Inc. Redemption is a biomedical simulator in which you make life and death decisions, create the ultimate illness to torment your victim, or play the head of a medical team, and hopefully... Oh, sorry, I clicked uh, down. Uh, hopefully find a cure to save your patient. So it's essentially Plague Inc., but also the ability to play the doctors. And it looks interesting. And my problem with Plague Inc. was always that it seemed rather shallow. Yeah. I'm not sure how deep this goes, but it looks worth at least checking out. Ooh. They are billions. Steampunk is this turn-based strategy game? Yeah, maybe this is also a good week to do an extra discovery queue, just yeah, because the Steam Summer Sale is tomorrow. Yeah, well, starts tomorrow. Oh, I just got serious Sam bogus detour. Skip. Yeah, I'm getting a lot of crap now. Yeah, I had a lot of, a lot of crap in my first queue, but whoops, I had to mark that add to wish list. Not not interested. This queue has been better. Well, so far. Oh, I was about to click off of this, but the Tesla effect, a Tex Murray adventure or Tex Murphy adventure. Yeah, that's an older game at this point, I think. Unless they made a new one. Uh, No, this is an older one. Okay. But this is essentially a, a, a homage to the old full motion video uh, games from the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, and Tex Murphy was uh, one of the bigger ones, wasn't it? If I recall correctly. Uh, yeah. It, it was a essentially a uh, sci-fi detective genre or detective uh, noir uh, game or a series of games. And this is essentially a reset of the of the story. Uh, no, it's a continuation of the older or could, story. Or, 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 or kind of a reset because doesn't he have amnesia so it resets his memory? Yeah. Yeah, he does have amnesia. And part of what you're doing is trying to figure out what happened. And it pulls in a lot of stuff from the older games, too. I've, I've played it. I, it's it's a decent game. It doesn't look the greatest. The, the, the full motion video stuff is great. Uh, that's really well done. The rest of the game, not so much in terms of looks. And it's but... also a bit uh, cheesy because, you know, they, they were going for the older style uh, full motion video games. were always a little bit on the cheesy side. Yeah. Uh, I and am. That's the end of my queue. Yeah, I'm. I'm also finished with my, with my queue. So I added a couple uh, things and uh, found something for Fridays at some point. Indeed, indeed. I mean, I had five, and only one of them was bad. So. And I've got five, and I don't think. Well, one of them could be bad, depending on uh, just how the fighting portion of the game is. Right. But there we go, the uh, discovery queue. And scroll up so I could get to, well, what are we doing this week? That would be the portion of the podcast where you go first. That is correct. Uh, Like I said, um, I posted a tweet about this, and I think I mentioned it when we 
uh, on last week's podcast, but I took a little bit of a break because of E3 and sort of fatigue and burnout and all that jazz. Laziness. Um, indeed. So this week, there's not a lot. I'm having to catch back up on my recording. So other than the standard Divinity, uh, there's nothing new or fancy coming out. My um, Naval Ops Commander Let's Play series has been retweeted like the 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 first couple of episodes that have released got retweeted several times by Chinese or Japanese people <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> and both of those videos were like in the du- double digits after only being out for like a week. So maybe I've got an audience of of Japanese people who want to see this game. <laughs> Let's play through. I don't know, but it makes me happy. What the fuck? <laughs> it makes me happy. So that game is definitely going to uh, continue to be played. Um, I've actually recorded the next three or did I do four episodes? Um, but I haven't actually rendered them out and edited them and all that jazz. So they're not ready to go up. They should be up and ready to go for when I'm on vacation uh, in two weeks. But uh, that's pretty much all that's coming on my YouTube channel right now. Just continuing that. Uh, I'm still working on a couple of reviews, and I'm hoping to get some some new good content from uh, games that I purchased on the Steam sale. I am going to start doing something new with these games that I get from Keymailer. Basically, not exactly a first impressions, but like I play these games, and whether they're good or bad, it's like, well, so far most of them have been bad. And I'm like, well, I don't really <laughs> want to go back to play this, but I'd like to be able to put another video on my channel that has that tag so that I can get like, I don't know, points or ranks or however they calculate that on uh key mailer so that I could hopefully get more keys in the future. So I think I'm going to just going to start recording my gameplay and then just put the video up as like a gameplay video or something like that. So at least you can go check out all of the games and understand why I'm like, yeah, this is garbage or this is good or whatever. I still haven't felt one good enough that makes me want to do videos on it, but who knows? I'm sure it's out there somewhere, and it'll find its way to me. Honestly, eventually. sometimes uh, they are really surprising. Just yeah, what ones are good and which ones aren't. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I honestly started up uh, Art of Gravity just as a kind of a lark. Is yeah, okay. Forts didn't pan out. I want to at least try something here. Let me try this. Actually, this isn't that bad. Do I have problems with it? Oh yeah, mostly because I'm me. But also, I. Maybe it's just me, but if I like something, I'm almost harder on it because I want to be a, as objective as possible. Right. But also, maybe it's it comes down to the whole thing where, okay, I'm enjoying it, so I'm uh, you know, a little bit more relaxed, so I'm able to focus on the game some more and spot, okay, well, it doesn't really have an options menu. Uh, level select is non-existent. Uh, some of the camera angles eh, could work a little bit better. But overall, it's not bad. I mean, I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> and guess what? Uh, it's a dollar. Um, But if you want to see that content and whatever else I come up with and put on my channel, you can do so by searching for Gaming Psychologist on YouTube. I almost got to 100. I was at 99 yesterday or the day before. And I went and checked earlier, and I'm down to 98, which makes me sad. But in my mind, I'm going, those Japanese people are subscribing to me on YouTube, and soon I will have millions of chibi followers. 
Probably not, but... Oh, here, I'll, I'll get rid of them all. Banzai! <laughs> Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, where you can see me tweet about all kinds of things, political, non-political... Oh, I peaked my microphone badly there, didn't I? Yes, you did. Uh, Anti-Microsoft. <laughs> oh, I didn't tell my Microsoft story. Fuck you, Microsoft. Windows 10. <laughs> so, all right, I have to I have to say this. So whenever you, you buy a very expensive piece of technological equipment, particularly one that has a disk drive in it, you expect to be able to put disks in your drive and play them natively because of some codec or something that exists within the OS. It's been nope. that way for years and years. Uh, well, that's not true in Windows 10 if you do a blank install that's not an upgrade from Windows 7 or Windows 8. <clears throat> in order to get Microsoft's new DVD player app, yes, you heard that right, DVD player app, you have to spend $15. And I promptly said, fuck you, Microsoft, and went and no, downloaded... You have to spend- you have to spend five seconds to download VC, uh, VCL. You mean VLC? Or VLC. Speak yeah. well, I do not. Yeah, so I promptly said, fuck you, Microsoft, and went and downloaded VLC Player. I posted a very, very angry tweet <laughs> about that the other day. You were like, man, I thought I was supposed to be the angry one. <laughs> uh, no, the angry swearing sur- one. Yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, get it fucking right. Anyways, on Twitter, if you want to follow me. To see me tweet about all kinds of things, you can do so at JMA4707. If you want to watch me stream games on Twitch, which I do on Friday nights usually, you can do so at twitch.tv slash jarthur4707. And then I also host or co-host another podcast called Straight as a Pretzel. You can see that on my YouTube channel. You can also go to straightpretzel.wordpress.com, I think is right, to actually see the, the site and get the audio for the episodes from there. I think that's everything. So yeah, what's going on for your for you and your stuff? What what you're not going to ask people to add you as your friend? You're right. I forgot about that because I tacked on the straight as a pretzel thing. If you want to be my friend on Steam, I accept all friend requests on Steam. So far, everyone's been nice and cool, and we have good conversations. And here lately, they've been telling me multiplayer games that they want to play and that I should play. And you can be my friend by sending me a request on Steam to jarthur4707. And if you're his friend on Steam and want to let him know that you've listened to this podcast, tell him the word lullaby. That's a good one. That's a good one. Lullaby. In honor of you needing a nap. Indeed. And uh, pushing us back a day. And I had a good nap earlier today. What about you and your channel, though? What's going on for you, buddy? Uh, things are pretty much stable right now. Uh, I'm back up to full power again where, with all my cha- uh, all my series running. Uh, Quantum Conundrum is still in the early stages. I have a lot more recorded of it, though, mostly because I'm trying to get through it and I want to have uh, time to figure out what I want to do next. I have a couple ideas, and I've shared one with you, which I thought was uh, actually kind of interesting. Indeed. Uh, but that was more of just a tech demo of what I'm uh, planning, or at least going to attempt. I um, need to figure out, that out. Um, I'll figure out my next game probably in the next week or two. Uh, RimWorld, it just won't die. I mean, I'm serious. I'm trying to end the series. And it's going to go on for a long time, mostly because of two miscalculations. One... I expected to have a lot more components going into the end game. 
I had uh, enough to you know, sustain myself, but I kept uh, ha- you know, essentially leaking them to you know, fix things. Like, you know, I had uh, a couple of colonists have their jaws broken, so I had to go fix that, which required components to make jaws. Uh, Groove has a slight heart problem where he just you know, kind of clutches his chest and flops to the ground with a heart attack every so often. You know, nothing major. So we're going to perform a little heart surgery on Groove probably in the next couple episodes. Uh, well, that I'm going to record not in, uh, in the next few episodes being released because I'm a, a little bit ahead of uh, ahead of the curve. Maybe it's just Groove whining so much that his heart is just isn't in it anymore. I even gave him his own crate. Well, actually, stole a crate and he's been carrying it around for ages. Which I thought was hilarious. Let's see, I have Groove uh, carrying around a crate. I have two people with cirrhosis of the liver now from drinking. <laughs> uh, and let's see, Hen Relics lost both his thumbs. <laughs> That's not good. And sadly, he's like still my fifth or sixth best shot. <laughs> and Hen Relic also kind of lost a leg at one point, so I replaced it with a robotic leg. <laughs> Which also cost me components. But the other uh, miscalculation is that components take a lot longer than I thought they did to be made. Which kind of led to my first uh, miscalculation, but also it's taken me a lot longer to get... Uh, well, I got the initial compo- uh, the initial stuff done, but I think I also didn't count on having... well. At this point, over 15 people to try to save. <laughs> this is also known as a fucking big colony. Because usually colonies in RimWorld are in the 10 to 12 range. I'm over 15. Yep, so, real big. Yeah, 15 people. Yeah, and I'm trying to save them all. I mean, if it comes down to it, I guess I could leave Groove behind. <laughs> I mean, well, if Groove keeps having heart attacks, I mean, he's up to like four or five now. Maybe I should just put him a cryo cask and be done with it. It's like, fine, have your heart attack and deep freeze. As a matter of fact, well, it's probably spoiling a little bit, but well, I'll, yeah, what the hell? I've, uh, I'm, at, I'm at the point where I'm constantly freezing and unfreezing Kyle. <laughs> and I won't say why. But let's just put it this way. The last recording session I had, shit went down. Oh, it was probably the most fun I've had with this colony since, yeah, like episode 20-ish <laughs> when things got really stable. Oh, yeah, that was interesting. And you'll find out in uh, sometime what happened. Yeah, sorry about uh, that, about all the death, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Or am I? Or was there any death? Eh? Eh? See? Whether or not there was, Suspense. you're probably not sorry. Anyway, uh, Divinity Original Sin still ongoing. Uh, hopefully we'll uh, be able to re- get another recording session in and build up enough episodes for your vacation. That's the idea. Or I just uh, show up at your vacation spot with my computers like, Hey, guess what we're going to do? <laughs> I think you would kill me. Or, no, Katie would kill me. <laughs> There's no way my laptop could record Divinity. It can no, barely just take, play Divinity. No, just take my computer and uh, record local. 
because it does have local co-op. True. Anyway, uh, Sunday Sampler is still ongoing. I'm planning on something a little bit different for this week just because of uh, the Steam Summer Sale. And, of course, this podcast appears there Fridays at noon. And you can catch all that stuff, uh, all that absolute best death destruction. And then there's RimWorld uh, over at Gaming with Caffeine Rage. Or you see me tweet every so often over at Gaming with CR. And while we're talking about websites, you can also find us over at Podbean. Uh, speak while I do not. Uh, bglpodcast.podbean.com with our RSS feed if, or you can find us on iTunes or Google Play you can help pay for this madness over on patreon.com slash podcast, or if you just want to tell us in, uh, something and contribute to the absolute madness you could contact us once again bglpodcast at gbl.com with your letters, voicemails, gaming related topics uh, games that you want us to play or just tweet us podcast on twitter our intro and outro music is on the ground, and our Discovery Cube music is Doobly Doo by Kevin McLeod. You can find his work at Incomputech.com. And as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye bye now. Oh, we are going to get so, so many games. Oh, yeah. We're going to load up the plates and just get all the games, and we're just going to be fat asses with all the games and be the one percenters. Remember to stick around after the end of the song. <laughs> bye bye. You mentioned the rabid porn. I'm going to mention something else that I saw pop up on my Twitter feed. And it's one of those... Why? A fidget spinner butt plug. Oh, my... Oh, I have to look look this up. <laughs> I'm going there right now. Googling that right now. On Etsy. Fidget spinner butt plug. Stainless steel. <laughs> anal focus toy. Random color. ADHD bondage focus, gay sexy times mature. <laughs> oh, well, this is great. We know what Jared wants for Christmas now. Sweet baby Jesus, this is great. <laughs> What's some of the other pictures? I want to see a video of it spinning. <laughs> Glowfuckyourself.com. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the home of the internet's favorite bl- butt plugs. Glow fuck yourself. In Portland, yeah. Oregon. This is amazing. Oh, that's a butt plug bl- uh, bong. How does that even... Well, I mean, I know how that works, but like... <laughs> how could you pull that off? Oh, there's baby on board butt plugs. All right. I, I'm I'm not into the eyeball. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure that's the wrong hole. I'm not into the weird head. Was that alien head? Well, I, uh, we've lost Jared now. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> a Donald Trump Kofefe butt plug. I'm actually okay with that. <laughs> I'm actually okay with that. I'm not okay with whatever this is. Jesus, that's scary looking. Well, since you're looking them up, is there one that's a wooden stick? Is there one that's a 
wooden stick. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the stick up your ass? <laughs> no, I don't see one yet, but there's a lot. There's a lot of butt plugs. Oh, here's one that's... <laughs> well, and we've uh, completely lost Jared. Oh, here's here's one that is a uh, micro SD card reader that you can plug into your computer. Each end of the butt plug is one thing, and it's got like a little cover, and you take the cover off, and you can plug it into your computer. <laughs> I would ask why, but I don't want to know. Oh, that's great. Well, well, I've just given uh, content for uh, Stories of Pretzel. Oh my god, yes. We're going to have to talk about this at some point. Oh, here's a butt plug that's a lighter. I don't... Why? Light your floor, it's a lot easier. I guess so. Although, if you've got a butt plug in, it's not impossible, but it's hard to fart. Oh, oh, here's here's a Lord of the Rings, the one ring butt plug. <laughs> <laughs> I should really stop this right now. Yes. Oh, that's a creepy eyeball. I don't like that. Well, I have a feeling we also got Frankenstein content. <laughs> Are you kidding? This shit's going in in the outtakes this week. Maybe bits of it and then the rest of it for... I blame myself. Oh, here's a news article about this. Fidget spinner butt plugs are indeed a real thing. Published June 9th. Okay, I'm going to close this tab. I just closed it. I'm navigating to the the tab I have open with our letter from Jimmy Jam. Are you quite done then?